You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Play ball! Worldwide Sports Radio presents Moffitt on the Mic. Allow me to introduce myself. With Craig Moffitt. How you doing, everybody? It is good to be back on a Friday night only on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You are listening to the Moffat on the Mic radio show, and the number to call, as always, is 631-676-2968. That is 631-676-2968. As always, you can follow us on Instagram at Moffat on the Mic, Twitter at Moffat on the Mic, and our Facebook page as well. I am Craig Moffat, and it wouldn't be a Friday night on the Moffat on the Mic show without Mr. Chris Clint. What's going on, Craig? What's going on, Hammer? I'm ready to have a good show tonight. A lot. I feel like every time like we do the show, nothing happens like important the day of. Every time it's like we don't do the show, everything, all the fun stuff happens when we're not doing a show. I know. And then we have to kind of. By the time we get to it, it's kind of like not old news, but, but it's, it's like, like it's like because everyone's talking about it at this yeah. point. It's people like, are oh, talking about it, but not as much as they were the day before. Yeah, exactly. Like people are still talking about it, like the Bryce Harper deal, but not as much as they were yesterday. It's very true. The one thing that does work, the one thing that works against our favor, though, is have you ever noticed that every time we do a show, it's always really crappy outside? Yeah, it's <laughs> always terrible. It's always cold. I think, I think it's just the cloud and the rain cloud that hovers over my head. <laughs> and it just keeps getting, like, just makes its way to this studio and everywhere else because, like, I, we, we just can't catch a break. I know. And it's supposed to snow, like, a little bit tonight before we leave. So we may have to cut the show a little short to Jeez. get home. Just what we need more snow. <laughs> Well, it hasn't been too bad. This has been pretty light. This has been a pretty light winter. True. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, knock on wood. Because, quite frankly, I mean, we're, you know, I feel like we are have been a little overdue. But I think the next few days are going to be pretty brutal, like weather-wise. Tomorrow and I think Monday is supposed to be, like, really bad. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going into the city tomorrow, so that's just what I want to hear. Oh, what are you doing? Uh, girlfriend asked me, well, her, her, my girlfriend and her mom are going to the city to visit her brother and their, uh, her, my girlfriend's brother and his girlfriend. So they were like, and her brother was apparently, Hey, is Chris coming? Like really excited for me to come. So I was like, Ooh, older or younger, older brother. He's okay. like two years older than I am. Where he's living in the city or is he going to school? No, you know, he lives in the city. Um, he doesn't go to school anymore. He graduated. Um, oh, geez. I think upper okay. Manhattan. I think I don't know off the top of my head. Dude, work has been so stressful for me that like I just cannot wait to get out of the city. Like I just have no desire to be in the city whatsoever. It was like when we had Christine on, mm-hmm. and, and we, we, kept, were, we were telling her about how much you and I hate going into the city <laughs> when we don't have to go to the city because it's just just dealing with the tourists and dealing with just you just don't want anything to do with it yeah. after a while. But on that note, we got a lot to do and not a lot of time to do it. And again, the number to call six three one six seven six two nine six eight. All right, Clem. If you're ready, I'm ready. Let's kick it off a little for local. It's time for four local. Can't wait. It's always so awkward when it ends like that, but <laughs> that's all good. All right, so here are the four local topics of the day for Friday. Um, Islanders lost tonight 3-1 to one of the Capitals. and uh, But let's kick it off with last night with uh, John Tavares. So I watched some of the game yesterday, but being as though I'm 40 years old, I'm tired early, so I fell asleep. So I wound up taping the game, the rest of the game today, so I haven't finished watching it yet. But, man, Islander fans just did not disappoint last night. 
I was very impressed with how much their hatred for John Tavares hit an all-time high. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to love it in a way because, like, it really was. Like, listen, I was a big JT fan. Everybody was. And I can understand why Islander fans would be pissed off with the way he handled it because he did. He did not handle it well. All right. And whether he admits that or not, I don't ever really remember if he had ever admitted to it, but he did not handle it well. Everybody knows that. Bad guy. That being said, though, you have to remember what he did for the organization. You have to remember what he did for the team. And just keep in mind that part of the reason why he left is because I think he felt he was wasting years of his life because he didn't know what the direction was. He didn't know who was going to be, you know, coming here. You know, he needs superstars to play around him. And Garth Snow never really did that for him. But yeah, but then you bring in a head coach like Barry Trotz, and then you know, you you probably knew they were going to get Lou Lamorello. Lou Lamorello. So, like, those two well, guys. he was there before Trotz. So remember that. He didn't get Oh, Trotz. yeah. But so, like, I mean, look, you know, you know you're getting a rebrand with those two guys in itself. Plus, Barzell just wins the Rookie of the Year trophy. Things, the wheels were in motion. John Tavares is just an ass and was just like, yeah, I'm going to go play for Toronto. Like, I get that's your hometown. That's where you grew up watching and everything like that. You but had the, the way PJs. he should, here's the way he should have did it, though. He should have basically came out and said, look, I don't know if I'm going to resign with you. So if you feel like you have to trade me, that's fine. But he didn't do that. Exactly. Right? He did. That's where he screwed up. He totally screwed that up. That's on JT. And the thing is, he told he told the uh, the Islanders that he didn't want to be traded. So everybody thought that he was going to be he was still going to be here. And then the fact is, he messed it up. But one thing I will say from watching the game so far, like I've gotten to the first couple of periods, John Tavares looked rattled last night. Oh yeah, I that crowd really. I think that crowd really shook him up. I don't think he was expecting that at all. I really don't. I don't think he was expecting to get literally booed out of the building. And not just that. I don't think he was expecting to just get booed every time he got on the ice. Even when he didn't get the puck, he was being his, – his line got booed crazy. Can you mute, mute the TV? Oh, yeah. I forgot. I forgot to mute it. I keep hearing Rich Eisen in my headphones. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the thing was was that I, he looked rattled. The Leafs looked rattled as a team last night. Now, look, you could chalk it up to the fact. You can also say, oh, well, they played the night before. Yeah, but that, that, doesn't, that doesn't hold water for me. A lot of teams play back-to-backs. Look at the Islanders. They just played a back-to-back against Toronto and Washington. You know how hard that is? There was no way the Isles were coming out with two wins. There was no way. But John Tavares looked rattled last night. Mm-hmm. And the fans, from the minute, you know, they got to the parking lot, you know, tailgating, running over jerseys in the parking lot, bonfires or, you know, trash for whatever it is, fires. Not to mention, you know, inside they got – they taped over Tavares' name with, like, everything from Trader to Pajama Boy to, like – I mean, they were relentless. Clem, they booed the tribute video. They booed the tribute video to John Tavares last night. But that's what I love about Islander fans. Because they really do hold this team near and dear to their heart. 
and they don't like when things like that happen. Now, at the same time, they need to respect the fact of what he did for the team. He was a big part of the team. So, who is it? First time in a long time. Oh. Jeff is on the line. That's because third and long wasn't on today. What's <laughs> 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 up, Jeff? Craig. What do you want? <laughs> I'm, I'm with you with the Islander fans, but you don't think they took it too Say far but. by throwing things at them? But. It's not like they were throwing anything crazy. They okay. just threw snakes. In, they threw snakes. No. You know what? You no, know, he's right. They threw the- he's right. I'm going to give you that one because you, you shouldn't be throwing things at the players. Plain and simple. That I agree with. Clem, you're a young guy. You don't under – I think you're still a little, uh, you know, I mean, I get raw, it. You, know, you, know, you don't throw things at the player at, – at any player or any team or whatever it is. But, I mean, you. it was kind of expected that Islander fans Listen, were going to throw snakes on the ice. Jammies chance, hilarious. <laughs> I know. Right? Like, all of that stuff, all fair game. When you're throwing things at them during warm-ups and stuff like that, that's not a balance to me. No, I agree. I, I don't think they should be throwing things at him. That, I agree with that. You know, but I was not expecting them to just boo him the entire game. Like, literally the entire game, that place was booing him relentlessly. Even when he didn't have the puck, they were booing him out of the stadium. I mean... Maybe if, maybe if the fans had showed this much motion when he was there, maybe he wouldn't have left. Well, that's a load of crap because they did show a lot of the motion when he was there. I'm just needling you Islanders fans. Right. <laughs> but I think it's. But I also think again, they hold this team very dear to their heart. They hold this team. They this is like this is their you know their baby in a way. And the fact is, is that I don't necessarily listen. I don't begrudge John Tavares from going to another team. If you you want to go to the Toronto Maple Leafs, go to the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's your decision. You're a free agent. And I could understand what he's thinking in a way because, look, the Isles had plenty of years to, to put adequate talent around him, superstar talent around him, and they never did it. So in that sense, I could totally understand him wanting to go to Toronto because he doesn't know what direction the team is going, even with Lamarillo and Trotz there. Hello? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the only other thing that I would say – is, you know, Islanders fans, they have a right to be upset that he left, but it's not incumbent on John, John Tavares to say, trade me. He doesn't want to weaken the team he could possibly go to. That's that's management, man. Yeah, I but mean, you can't sit there. The okay. Or anyone to say, well, I might be, so trade me so you can get You're absolutely point. right, but it's- at the same time, you can't sit there and say, don't trade me, I want to stay. Sorry, you don't I mean, get to have it both ways. I didn't want to get traded? What's that? He never – he said to guard – it's been on numerous reports around here, when, especially when it happened. He specifically said he did not want to be traded at the deadline last year before he became a free agent. So a lot of people thought that he wanted to stay. So Garth Snow didn't trade him because he told Garth Snow he didn't want to be traded. He has not denied that. I mean, but again, another ownership mistake, though, right? Like, if you're going to fire uh, Garth Snow, which I think – I, I'm not. You, you can't. You can't blame every. No, it's fifty-fifty. Okay, that's how we're gonna lay it. Lay it. It is on Tavares and it is on Garth Snow. And Garth Snow should know better. And that's why he's no longer the GM because he was a terrible GM. But the fact is, is that if John, if this your star player is telling you, I don't want to be traded. Please don't trade me. I want to stay. Are you really gonna turn around and say, okay, we're gonna trade you? You're not. You're not. 
These are the tough business decisions, though, man. But like, you're not. You're not going to do it. I know I wouldn't do it because then I would think, okay, I have a really good chance to bring him back. And I am rolling the dice on that, but that's a risk I'm going to take because I want to keep John Tavares on Long Island. But nobody's but by, you know, no GM is going to no account, no GM is going to do that. Mm-hmm. By the New York Post account, he was going to stay. It was his agent that talked him into leaving. Again, no, that's then that's his agent. I mean, if he listens to his agent, he's more than that's his entitlement. I mean, he can listen to his agent. He can he can do whatever he wants. He's the unrestricted free agent at the end of the day. I'm saying if he really was that hell bent on going to Toronto, which I do think he was. I don't think he was like 90-10 staying on the island. I think after a while, I think it kind of showed that he probably wanted to go back to to Toronto. And when you're putting Twitter pictures of yourself with a Toronto Maple Leafs blanket, I mean, that tells me a lot, too, about where his thinking is at, where his head is at. Do you put any credence into the complaint Sean Avery had? About what? About his whole, did you see his whole rant about the Islanders fans? Well, Sean Avery's a douche. I mean, come on. <laughs> that guy, I mean, listen, good agitator, nothing more. So, no, I could really give a rat's ass what Sean Avery has to say. All right. What was he saying? I thought he made some good points. About? You know, I mean, he gave, you know, John Tavares gave him 10 good years there. I mean, they didn't have to, they didn't have to treat him like that. Like, the, listen, the boos are inbound. The chants are hilarious. They're obviously a witty fan base. Those are hilarious. But they didn't need to throw jerseys at him. They didn't need to throw snakes. Oh, at I agree. Him. I agree with that part. I mean, yeah, you don't. I don't think you throw anything at players. I, I absolutely. I that I, I don't care how much you hate the guy. But I'm saying at the same time, it's like, look, I think they do respect what he brought to the Islanders, no question. And there were people clapping when during the video tribute and all that stuff. I mean, you don't see there weren't that many, but you definitely saw it. But at the same time, you can easily argue that. You know, he kind of screwed them over a bit. and But that was his entitlement. He's an unrestricted free agent. He can go wherever he wants. I don't – I don't – I'm not mad about the about him signing with Toronto because, again, he chose Toronto over the Islanders, and that's his right. I mean, that's what you have when you're a free agent. I don't like the way he handled it, though. You can't tease a team like that and then at the last minute just pull a complete 180 and say, okay, I'm going to Toronto. You can't. Like, I just don't think he can. That's all. I, I just think Garth Snow or management or whoever was running that whole thing would have still had a good shot to sign him. And they could have covered themselves by trading him and then just saying to him, listen, we have every intention of bringing you back, but we can get some stuff for you right now, and it'll strengthen our team, and we hope you come back. Yeah, but I don't think they, they're going – I think he'll be more offended by that, and you're not going to offend your star player. You're just not. Yeah, I mean, it's a risk you take, but then you – know, and listen, it's worked out for the Islanders. I mean, you can't say it hasn't. No, they've the been terrific this year, but I also think that's a testament to having a, co- a Stanley Cup winning coach like Barry Trotz coaching this team. Because I think if if Doug Waite was still coaching this team, they'd be – I think they'd be a last-place team. Have they, uh, you know, uh, gone above and beyond your expectations for them? Absolutely. I thought this year mm-hmm. was more of an evaluation year. I didn't think it was going to be this good. No yeah, way did I same. think it was going to be this good. I thought this was going to be a case they, of – they can win their division? I think they have a chance to win their division, although, I, I mean, again, you got to be you – know, when, you, when you have a back-to-back games against Toronto and Washington, you got to beat those teams. And, I mean, like last night I thought, you know, they were outstanding against Toronto – 
And again, I thought John Tavares looked rattled. I thought he looked rattled. He barely touched the puck when he did, and a lot of times I saw he would looked a little timid at times. I think it really got. I think they got into his head a little bit. But when you come back the next day and you have to face a team that is chasing you for the first spot in the Metro, who definitely improved themselves at the trade deadline while you stood pat and did nothing, you have to win that game, or at least get it to overtime to get a point. The points are the big deal. So look, I did I really give them much of a chance back to back against two really good teams like Toronto and Washington? Not to mention they played Calgary the other day, who was the, the best team in the West. No. That was going to be a tough stretch either way. But you got to find a way to, you know, you, you, you know, really good teams figure out a way. I think they're slowly figuring out their way. I'm mad that they didn't really make any additions at the deadline because I think they owed it to the fan base. I think they just owed it to themselves because when you have Columbus and you have Washington improving themselves – and they're chasing you. Now, Washington is obviously going to be a lock for the playoffs. Columbus, not so much. You have to figure out a way to get better. There's always a way to yeah, Im- there's always ways to improve a roster. And Lamarillo t- decided to stand pat. Fine. You know, they are a good team. I don't know if they're a Stanley Cup winning team this year. But I think it also depends on what they do in the offseason, too, because they have to start putting, bringing some all-stars into this, into, onto this team. I mean, for me, I like the move of standing pat, though, Craig, because and, and this is no disrespect to the Islanders. They're, they're doing just fine. But what a bad year to be a decent team because Tampa Bay just looks like a buzzsaw. Oh, yeah. oh my God, they're killing everybody. Yeah, but, see, the, but that's the thing. I think they should have made a move at the deadline because, look, the Islanders are doing great. But they don't have that elite superstar like they had with JT. I mean, Barzell, Ladd, Lee, all these guys are great. And Len- Leonard's having a, a fantastic season in goal. But they don't have that guy who can put them over the edge and put them over to beat a and Tampa thing, Bay. And the thing is, this team is loaded in the minor leagues. I mean, they have a ton of talent in the minor leagues. You know, we talk- I don't mind them standing top, though. I, don't, I wouldn't want to see a team like that, like – Try to. Uh, there's no way to improve yourself so much that you're going to compete with Tampa Bay, and I and I don't think I'm wrong in that opinion. No, you're probably right. I mean, listen, Tampa Bay's in a league of its own right now. I mean, they're just completely dominating the league. Um, but again, I just think you have to. I just think you have to. When you have a team like remember, you're playing for first seed in the Metro too, and that's a, you know the Tampa Lightning are in a different you know they're in the different part of the East. The fact is, though, is that you're you're the first place team in the Metro. When you see Washington and Columbus making a lot of moves, I think you got to do something. That's all. I mean, but again, it may it may turn out to be the better. It may turn out to be the better strategy too. We don't we don't really know. Like we're not sure. But that's why I didn't mind it though for them, right? Because like I don't see them improving themselves so much that they're going to compete with Tampa Bay. So play the young guys play the string out, see what you can do in the playoffs, and then attack the offseason. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, although the thing is with Tampa, a lot of those guys are going to be there for a long time. Guys like Kucherov, Tyler Johnson, I think they all signed extensions. So they're all going to be together yeah. for a long time. Yeah, for the most part, they're going to have a decision to make on Braden Point. Right. So that is what it is. But, I mean, what a bad year to be good. That's what true. What a bad year to be good. Yeah. Yeah, it's like Tampa. I mean, Tampa's just running roughshod over the whole league. I mean, they're just killing teams. Like, I'm a Bruins fan, right? You know that. I'm a Bruins fan. I love the Bruins. And they had a great game against Tampa the other night. Mm-hmm. And, they're, dude, they're the second-best team in the whole NHL. And even then, I don't think they have a chance against Tampa Bay. Yeah. 
So. It's crazy how good they are. No, they are. All right, Jeff. Good talk as always, sir. All right, gentlemen. Enjoy your weekend. It's been a while, Jeff. Don't yeah, be a stranger. Well, did we do something to offend you, or are you are you leading the Matt Stevens uh, return chance in Tampa right now? <laughs> no, no. Busy season, man. Busy season. This is when, you know, I, I got to work, you know. What do you do? I don't work often. What's that? What do you do? Uh, I sell um, insurance to college athletes. Do you really? Yeah, I sell insurance to, like, football players, on, you know, like uh, like catastrophic injury, loss of value, like that kind of stuff. So I go around to, like, mostly the SEC schools and sell insurance to those players. Oh, wow. Oh, man. So, so I only really work, like – four months out of the year, ah. and then I just sit around with my thumb in my ass the rest of the time. <laughs> well, at least you take the time to take your thumb out of your ass and call us. <laughs> I mean, you know, from my ass to the thumb straight in my mouth, I guess, right? Oh, God. <laughs> All right. That's what we got to hang up on you now. You know? I don't, right. why, why, Craig? You're looking for some insurance? Do you, do, you, are you, do you think that you can go pro? Should we insure that right arm? Oh, I don't think so, no. <laughs> no All right. So. All right, Jeff. Good talk as always, man. All right, take it easy. Have a good one. Enjoy your night. See you later, Jeff. See, man, you learn something new every day. Jeff Shelton Stearns. How about that? Yeah. It's been a while, though, with Jeff. I mean, we haven't heard him in a really long time. I really did think we offended him or something. I'm like, oh. Yeah, I thought so, too. I mean, I don't know why. Like, he just, like, stopped calling altogether. Yeah. You know, like, he would always be, he'd always be, like, Jones to dial us a few times, like, sometimes. Yeah. But, uh, but, no, it's good to have him back on the show. Mm -hmm. So. All right, let's go to number two. It's been only two weeks, but Pete Alonso continues to rake in spring training and is starting to make it difficult for Mets brass to not consider him to be the starting first baseman on opening day. With injuries to Todd Frazier and Jed Lowry, it could pave the way for Alonso to be the opening day first baseman, unless the Mets choose to start him in AAA for a few weeks for calling him up and keeping an extra year of service time. Uh, we talked about this on Wednesday. And my opinion is plain and simple, is that with the injuries the Mets have right now with Jed Lowry and Todd Frazier, I think one of the best things they can do is just make Peter Alonso the starting first baseman on opening day. I think so, too. But they're not going to do that. They're probably not. But the, here's the other thing, though. Dom Smith is actually not playing bad in uh, spring training. Mm -hmm. So it's possible you could have Dom Smith be your starting first baseman to start. But I think Pete Alonso will be on this team by, like, the middle to end, to end of April. Whenever that two-week or three-week period, whatever, runs out, that's when you're going to see Pete Alonso on the Mets. Yeah, I think, no, yeah, it's the Chris Bryant rule. But I disagree with it because sometimes yeah. I always think that just making him the opening day star. Listen, let's call it what it is. Pete Alonso is not going to be a free agent to what, 2023? Yeah. 2024. So you're like five years away from this guy becoming a free agent, okay? And I understand the rule, and I understand this is a loophole that the owners are able to take advantage of and the GMs are able to take advantage of. But you could be doing so much more – to benefit the relationship between the team and Pete Alonso by just making him the starting first baseman opening day. Yeah, I know. If he's earned it the way Brody says that he's got to earn it, then it's a no-brainer. Then he should be the opening day first baseman. Because the thing is, if the Mets get off to a rough start those first couple of weeks, mm -hmm. the fans are going to be pissed off because he's not there. And you're going to be chomping at the bit and you're going to be counting down the days. So just bypass all that crap. And just make him the opening day first baseman. Do yourself a favor. Okay, yeah, I th I 100% agree with you. I think he sh he d rightfully deserves the opening day first baseman job. 
but he's not going to get it. I mean, the thing is, you're going to be sad. I mean, uh, it's nothing against Dom Smith, and I feel like Dom Smith has been put in a really bad position by the Mets because when they had him up, they barely developed him, and he was bad. And they kind of wrote him off after a month in August when the team wasn't in it anyway. They really didn't give him much of a chance, in my personal opinion. And most likely he'll wind up being a first baseman, bench player type guy. He'll be a guy coming off the bench a lot of times, mm-hmm. which is fine. Keep him on the roster. Don't put him in AAA. Don't bury this guy in AAA anymore. Just, I'd rather have a young guy like that up on in the majors. Let him play a couple of, you know, he plays at least once a week with the Mets. Give him time in the outfield. I don't know. He's been put in a real bad position, in my opinion. But that being said, I think the Mets, if you're going to stand by this whole, he's got to earn it in spring training, then you have to make him the opening day first baseman. Now, granted, look, it's only been two weeks, so a lot can change. He could go into a slump, which I kind of expect. But right now, do you have a better option? No, you you don't. don't. You don't. Like, look, I, like, I get it in the fact that you're going to be saving money, and I get that fact. This guy has put in the work this past this in 2018. He's putting in the work now. Make this dude the everyday first baseman to start the season, the opening day first base. It's not that hard. Mets want to win games. This is how you do it. You put him in from right from, right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. I just don't get, like, oh, my gosh. This, and this is the problem with the Mets, too. I mean, listen, the, the injuries are tough because you have, you know, Frazier and Lowry. They're probably not going to be ready for opening day, most likely. They most likely even get on the DL. I wouldn't be surprised if both start the season on the DL. But that being said, though, this is the time where you can erase all that and just say, you know what? Peter Alonso is going to be our first, our first baseman opening day. Mm-hmm. Jeff McNeil is going to play third base. Brandon Nimmo will be in left field. Conforto and right. And you see who they signed today? Carlos Gomez. Love it. A polar opposites favorite, by the way. I like it. I don't hate it. Well, you know, Carlos Gomez went pretty far in our knob tournament. Yeah, I know. When we did the knob tournament here. I remember that. Right? <laughs> it was actually funny when you got involved in the knob tournament. We were running off the names, and you were just like, and you couldn't, you had a hard time making a decision because it wasn't easy to make. It wasn't. No. And, and, he, <laughs> and that's, what made it, that's what made that segment so good. And, but, yeah, Carlos Gomez, definitely a big-time knob. <laughs> but I don't I don't hate it. I don't hate the signing. Okay. Here's what I like about it, and here's what I hate about it. What I like about it is number one, he gives you power. Mm-hmm. He can hit. Okay. And he can play center field. That's beneficial to the Mets right now. What I hate about it is I think he's an ass. And he's gonna get he you know what's gonna happen? He's gonna get one of his teammates injured because of a bat flip or some kind of trash-talking garbage when he hits a home run, Hmm. okay? Because he does it all the time. He's a knob. Everybody knows that. But the fact is is that he's still a good player. So I have no problem, and it's a minor league deal. How old is Carlos Gomez, like 33, 34? Um, I don't think he's that. He can't be that. He can't be too old. He is... But then the problem is 33, so it's not really a bad age. Personally, I I would have rather had Adam Jones. Yeah, but you're not going to get Adam Jones on a minor league deal. But I think Carlos Gomez can steal bases too, right? Yeah, he still has some speed behind him. So 
overall, I think it's a decent signing. And if you imagine breaking camp with Carlos Gomez on your bench. But then, I, but then I ask myself, what does that mean for a guy like Juan Lagares? What does that mean for a guy like Keon Broxson, who you just made a trade for this offseason? Do they, they don't have options to go down to AAA. No. So are the Mets working on a deal? I just think that it's – I know I know you like to think like that. Like, you like to – you know, if this makes one move, what ha, what they're probably going to be planning for something next. I don't think that's the case. I just think that uh, – that he just for in just in case the inevitable happens that one of the outfielders gets injured. I mean, Carlos I, Gomez could probably I think he could play left field too. I don't know if he could play right, but I think he could play left. Yeah, so I just, I just think this gives them pre- uh, prepare prepares them to just in just in case like when the inevitable does happen that one of these outfielders will get injured and it will happen. It's the Mets, so someone's going to get injured in that outfield. That you just have Carlos Gomez there to to pro- uh, provide depth for for yourself and. He can still play. He can, he he can start on some teams. Mm-hmm. So I th- I think just to have him at, for depth is good to have. But I think overall, first of all, putting a guy like Pete Alonso at first base on opening day makes your team younger. Mm-hmm. You're able to keep Cano at second. Rosario's actually been having a great training spring training so far, and I still say you move Jeff McNeil to third. I think that's what it's going to end. I think it's going to end up being Jeff McNeil is going to be the opening and, day third baseman. And maybe that's the reason why you signed Carlos Gomez. Maybe that's the reason, Clem, mm-hmm. because then you can, you know, it's another depth piece for the outfield. Yeah. You already know Nimmo's going to be your starting left fielder, and you know that Conforto's going to be your starting right fielder. So then you have center field. Now, I don't think the Mets are carrying three center fielders. That's just my opinion. Juan Lagares makes $9 million. No team is taken on that agreement. Mm-hmm. They're not going to take on that contract. And I don't think the Mets will cut him because I think they really like his defense. Because he plays like he plays great defense when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Keon Broxton, I don't know much about. I know he wasn't very good, but I, that could also be chalked up to the fact that he didn't play a lot last year because they had gotten Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yellick. Mm-hmm. So that could be part of the reason why Keon Broxton wasn't as good. But maybe he has options. Maybe he can go to AAA. Maybe. Maybe. You know. Now, look, I don't know if – I mean, listen, there's a very good chance that Carlos Gomez may not make the team. It's definitely possible. Yeah, it's very possible he, he he gets cut or something. I mean, look, this is just a test run to see what he can actually do and if he can still play. But right now, suspend the Jeff McNeil experiment in, outf- in the outfield and just put him at third base. Let him get reps at third base. J.D. Davis should be playing third base. And then figure it out from there. But right now, I think the Mets would be doing themselves a major disservice. If Pete Alonso is not the opening day first baseman. Absolutely. All right, number three. The Jets are apparently listening to offers for the number three overall pick in next month's draft, but are also content with staying in that spot and drafting the best player on the board. The team has also issued a second-round tender on receiver Robbie Anderson for $3.1 million, which basically means that if a team offers Robbie Anderson a contract and the Jets decline it, they will get a second-round pick. Um. I'm fine with the second-round tender on Robbie Anderson. I think Robbie Anderson has definitely become a better receiver. He's got to just stay out of trouble. Yeah. If he could stay out of trouble and not, you know, no no BS or anything like that, I think he'll be fine. Yeah, and if he can stay consistent, too, because we saw it last year. He wasn't really consistent until the last, like, four games of the season where he had, like, 400 yards and six touchdowns, which is great. You want to see that from your wide receiver, but you want to see it all season. 
year the year before that he was on the he was a he was a hundred yards away from being a thousand yard receiver. So the potential is there for him to be really good. We just have to see him put it all together. I think next year might be a big step for him. Yeah, and depending on who they put around him too. Yeah, it was a little different because when Anunwa got hurt. Anderson kind of had to carry the load. Jermaine Curse wasn't very good last year. Stunk. Um, you know, Herndon was a Herndon was a very good weapon for mm-hmm. the Jets, and I think he'll take another step forward in his second year. Now it's a case of who you put around him mm-hmm. to get to make that team better, and I think that's where the Jets will probably attack. I don't necessarily think the they're definitely not going to get Antonio Brown. So let's get that out of the way right now. They just don't have the draft capital to go get Antonio Brown, and you're not going to give up the number three overall pick to get Antonio Brown. Yeah, I, I, I would say if you can go get Antonio Brown without giving up the third overall pick, by all means, go after it. But do not give up that number one overall, that third overall pick. But I can see guys like Adam Humphreys. I can see guys like I could even see a guy like Golden Tate. I could even see a guy like Cole Beasley. Oh, yeah, I can see Cole Beasley, Golden Tate, Adam and I Humphreys. think they'll work. And I think they'll work the draft. Michael Crabtree too. Okay. Um, as for the third pick, this is getting interesting because now all of a sudden the rumors about Josh Rosen are starting to come back again, where the Cardinals could be leaning towards drafting Kyler Murray. They'd be dumb. Number one overall. They'd be. Dumb to give up on Josh Rosen. And that's interesting to say the least because, you know, we always say this about rumors, that there's always that little bit of truth to it. You mm-hmm. know, there's always like that little yeah. bit of truth. Rumors are funny that way because while they sound outrageous at the time, it's almost like when Manny Machado was a free agent before he signed with San Diego, but he was out there for so long. Mm-hmm. And every time it was like, oh, he wants to go to the Yankees. He wants to go to the Yankees. Yankees are, you know, kicking the tires on them or they're they're keeping in, you know, in line. That only tells me that, you know, some there is a little bit of truth that the Yankees could be interested in Manny Machado. Now, me personally, I don't think you give up on Josh Rosen after one year. No, you don't give up on Josh Rosen because, look, the big thing was that coming out of last year's QB class that Josh Rosen was the most NFL-ready quarterback. Between- but, quite, but here's the thing, though. Cliff Kingsbury – is going into his first year as an NFL head coach. He has never been an offensive coordinator in the NFL. He has never done – I don't even know – I don't even know he's had a coaching job in the NFL. You're taking over a team that is completely rebuilding that are just a disaster, okay? They just, had, they just drafted a quarterback last year. A good quarterback, mind you, who just played for a crappy coordinator. And now you want to come in in your rookie year and all of a sudden it's this, well, I need my own quarterback. That's a pretty ballsy statement to make about Josh Rosen. Mm -hmm. Because you're basically saying Josh Rosen sucks. Yeah. And I want Kyler Murray. I mean, listen, as far as I'm concerned, this only helps the Jets. Because if you draft Kyler Murray, and the Niners will probably draft Nick Bosa, yeah. The Jets can wind up with Josh Allen or Quinn and Williams unless they trade down from three. And I don't know if they're going to get an offer that they're going to like to move down. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much people are into the quarterbacks. I, like I said, I think the, the, the teams are going to panic pick quarterbacks. They're going to be like, oh, my gosh, we need this quarterback because we're the Dolphins or we're the Raiders or whoever. They're going to panic pick quarterbacks, draft quarterbacks who aren't that good that high, and just be wasteful picks in the first round. And the thing is, is that, look, if I'm the Jets, I try to trade down. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, I yeah. want to try to. I need to get a second round pick. And even if it means, and I and I liked what McCagnan said because he didn't leave he didn't leave out the possibility of trading with the Giants. He didn't leave out the possibility of trading with you know whoever, whoever gives him the best deal, he's going to take it. But I'd be pretty content if they wind up with Josh Allen, who is a you know great pass rusher, or Quinn and Williams for the defensive line to pair him next to Leonard Williams. Mm-hmm. Plus, now there was a the story that came out of the combine today that the Jets are looking at uh, defensive ends in free agency: Dante Fowler, Ezekiel Ansah. Um, Preston Smith from the Redskins is a guy that, that's been mentioned. Get him. You know the pass rushes you can get. That's one thing you didn't have. You don't put pressure on guys like Josh, you know, Josh Allen or Tom Brady. You're not going to win games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you gotta you gotta apply pressure on that. On that on that defense, and that's what's going to win you games. And you saw it hugely this year, especially with the Bears. You know, like they were they were, did not have a pass rush, a really good pass rusher at all. They go out and trade for Khalil Mack. They win the North. They win the NFC North. Yeah. And the thing is, again, you know, right now this this Kyler Murray story is getting more interesting. It's gaining steam. I think personally, I just don't think you give up. On Josh Rosen after one year. Mm-hmm. There's no way. You have to understand. You, the thing is, is that you have to understand the situation that Josh Rosen was in. Okay? Rookie quarterback playing on a bad team. Playing for a clueless head coach. Good defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. clueless head coach. Mm-hmm. Playing with a horrible offensive coordinator. Even though Mike McCoy actually has been a decent coordinator. That's going to stunt your development as a, as a quarterback when the offense is stagnant. The offense only got better when Byron Leftwich ran the, ran the offense. Then he started getting a little bit better. Sometimes it's about finding the right coordinator to match with the quarterback. But the thing is, do you really want to go through this all over again now with Kyler Murray? No, you can't do that. Look, I get it that, oh, Kyler Murray is probably like the closest thing to Patrick Mahomes in terms of style play. The, but Patrick Mahomes is a way different quarterback than what Kyler Murray is. But way Patrick different. Mahomes also has better talent around him than Kyler Murray would in Arizona. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey. You know, uh, well, not, no longer Kareem Hunt. But, um, but yeah, that's just better. I mean, I'm just – this is just a few guys off the top of my head. And the thing is, is that – Who did Josh Rosen have last year? You have listen. I love Larry Fitzgerald, but he's getting old. He's old. Christian Kirk was a rookie. He didn't really know much about anything. I mean, he had a decent rookie year, though. I thought he. I thought he was actually pretty strong his rookie year. Yeah, he didn't do terrible. But everyone had down years in terms of their good players on the Cardinals. Like Larry Fitzgerald had a bad year. David Johnson. Had a bad year. Christian Kirk is only a rookie. They don't have a good tight end. They have nothing over there, really. Patrick Mahomes at least has consistent weapons. Yeah, he has Tyreek Hill, one of the fastest guy in football and one of the better wide receivers in the game. He had Kareem Hunt before that happened, and he was one of the better quarter, uh, running backs in the NFL. And he had and he had uh, Travis Kelsey, who's the best tight end in the NFL. The thing is, is that a quarterback cannot take the next step forward. 
if you don't provide him with the weapons to succeed. Mm-hmm. If you don't give them the tools to succeed, no coach, no executive, nobody will ever be able to take the next step forward unless you give them the tools to succeed. Remember what Bill Parcells always said? He used to say, like, um, if they want you to do the shopping, the least they can do is let you buy the groceries. (laughs) It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. I think you're doing Josh Rosen a disservice. Now, look, I don't know what you're going to get for Josh Rosen. I mean, do you think you're going to get a first-round pick? I would imagine. If I'm a team picking in the top ten, do I want to trade my number one, my first-round pick for Josh Rosen? Well, it depends. I mean, and I'm not saying the Giants should go out and do it, but if I was the Giants and I was like, hey, we, I really want Josh Rosen, I'd give up my first-round pick to get Josh Rosen. To sit behind Eli? Yeah. For a year? I think, yeah. I mean, look. I mean, I'm not saying. I'm not. I'm not saying. I was just using the Giants as as an example, but you know, I think that if the Giants really wanted to, you know, and they see like, okay, you know, it's probably going to be Eli's last year. Let's go get. A, we don't like any of these quarterbacks in this draft. Let's give up our first round pick to go get Rosen. I think Rosen. I still think Rosen's one of the better quarterbacks out of that draft. I still think he's the top three. I still. I think he's better than Josh Allen. I think he's way better than Lamar Jackson. I just think he's getting a raw deal. Yeah, he is. I mean, if he gets traded, I mean, that's a bit of a shocker. But I also think that's just Kingsbury being Kingsbury. I think that's an arrogance about him with, as a head coach. I, don't, I would be thinking it would be a bad move to trade Rosen. I'm just saying that if you're a rookie head coach and you already have a franchise quarterback pretty much there, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that Josh Rosen is Tom Brady or anything like that, but he is a franchise. He is your franchise quarterback, right? That's why you drafted him whatever what was it, 10th overall they drafted him or 9th overall? 8th, I think. 8th? Either way. So, but either way, when you draft a kid like that eighth overall and then you trade him after a year? Hmm. Can't do that. You must see something we don't because that's the only reason why you would even consider making a move like that. Yeah. Either that or you have a huge man crush on Kyler Murray. Because the only thing, it's the only option. There's no other option. It's one or the other. But I think this is going to, as the draft gets closer, this is going to start picking up steam. Mm-hmm. And don't be surprised if something gets done by the time the first day of the league year starts. Because that's when the trades start happening and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And again, if they draft Kyler Murray, it only helps the Jets as far as I'm concerned. The Jets have their pick of two very talented defensive players. Quentin Williams or Josh Allen. And like I said, I said this time and time before with the Jets. The only defensive player I want is Nick Bosa. Other than that, trade back and get a lineman. Go get Jawan Taylor. Go get uh, Greg Little. See, I'd be fine with that too. I have no problem with them trading back to get an offensive lineman. I think you got to rebuild the line. Got to rebuild the old line. The old line is awful. Thing is, they can't get rid of everybody this year because you have five guys that are, you know, then you're replacing all five linemen. I've said this to people. I've said this in on our on our blog, on our website. The Jets realistically, like you said, do need five new O-linemen. You can live with Brandon Shell, and you can live with Brian Winters on the right side. Realistically, you need a center, you need a left guard, and you need a, a left tackle. You can go out and find a center and left guard. You can go out and sign Mitch Morris from uh, Kansas City or Matt Paradise from the Broncos. Those can be your centers right there. Or even you can draft the, this kid from uh, North Carolina State. I forgot his name. is looking fantastic right now. I've read nothing but good things about this kid. So the Jets can po- possibly get him in a later round. Mm-hmm. 
Then in, for the left guard, you, there's guys, again, you guys can go outside. Roger Saffold, he's a free agent this year. He's a part of the best offensive line in the NFL this year with the Rams. Or you can draft A.J. Can. He's very young. He's still, he's still decently good, and he was a starter for the Jaguars last season. Right. Left tackle is the only place you would have to go and draft. You would have, you would have to go. There's no one good at left tackle this year in the, in the free agency, so you'd have to go out and draft Juwan Taylor, Cody Ford, uh, um, Jonah Williams or Greg Little, though you have to, and that's where you're building. You're not going to find a left tackle in the free agency, and if you do, you're going to overpay for him, and he's going to be terrible. Yes, that was a burn at the Giants. <laughs> Speaking of the Giants, are you surprised that they're putting uh, Olivier Vernon on the block? I'm not surprised at all. Look, they saw. Any what do you think they could get for him? Think uh, contract too, because he hasn't really lived up to the contract. I wouldn't. Fifth round pick, fifth, maybe not a fourth. I don't know that 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 contract is huge, and plus he really has, like you said he hasn't lived up to that contract. I mean he's been good. Don't get us wrong, he's been solid. But I mean for what he's getting paid, you want like fourteen sacks a year, Olivia Vernon. You don't want what he's been doing. Like he's been he's been okay. he's been good, right? But he's not he's not elite. I wouldn't say he's elite. All right, fair enough. But I would say fifth round pick. Okay. All right, number four, Troy Tulowitzki homeward for the second time uh, yesterday, th- uh, this week. and Jay, But J.A. Happ struggled in his debut for the Yankees, uh, who defeated the Pirates 8-6 to yesterday in spring training. I was talking – my friend and I went to the Disturbed concert on Monday night. Mm-hmm. My friend Chris, he's a big Yankee fan. And we were talking about the Yankees, and I was like, what do you think? And he goes, it's the starting pitching that's going to kill us. He goes, he goes, I think the team is going to be really good. He's like, I just think the starting pitching to me is not strong enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with Sabathia and Paxton and Tanaka and Severino and Hap, these are strong names. I'm not saying they're not. But Sabathia is another year older. Hap is another year older. Severino, I worry about him in the second half. I know he just signed a new extension, and the thing is the Yankees got a great deal out of that. Mm -hmm. And even he made a good point. He goes, you know – he goes, for all the talk of how great of a GM Cashman is, he goes, I, I don't know if he's that – he goes, I don't know if he's as good as everybody makes him out to be because they haven't won in a long time. They've held on to a lot of these guys like Judge and Sanchez. And he's not really saying, like, it's a horrible move to, to keep Judge. Far from it. But some of the moves he's made in the off seasons have not – either not panned out or they just haven't really turned. What? No, I'm looking on uh, Twitter and – Met, Met, at Mets Police just tweeted the Syracuse Mets to play a game as the Syracuse Butter Sculptures because oh who cares? <laughs> is this real? I hope it's real. That'd Probably be, is real. You know teams. Hilarious. You know mascot teams do that. Minor league teams do that all the time, right? Oh, this is hilarious. I might just travel up to Syracuse just to see that game. There was wasn't like the Staten Island Pizza Rats or something like that instead of the Yankees for like one week. Yeah, Benjamin Hill tweeted it out. Start spreading the news. At Syracuse Mets, in partnership with the New York State Fair, will play as the Butter Sculptures on July 13th. They will be, there will be a bobblehead giveaway featuring a butter sculpture of the mascot, of the mascot Scooch. <laughs> well, it was like when I went to the Brooklyn Cyclones game last year, they had a partnership with uh, uh, some bagel company, mm-hmm. and they called themselves the Brooklyn Bagels. <laughs> I think it was Brooklyn Bagel, actually. If I'm not, if I, you know. I like that. I like the so the and the thing was the PA announcer would call them the Bagels. That's what they called them, you know. 
They didn't call them the Cyclones that game. They called, and you see on the scoreboard it said Bagels. Didn't say Cyclones. It said Bagels. I like this. I like the butter sculptures. It's not as good as the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. I know, but a horse with boxing gloves. <laughs> Look, what the thing with the Yankees is, is that I think the Yankees will be a very strong team. I think they've made a we've talked about this, you know, through and through. They've made a lot of sh- good signings in the in the offseason. Yankee fans are pissed off because they didn't get the big fish. They didn't sign Bryce Harper, they didn't sign Manny Machado. We've said it exhausted it to the end of time. They don't need Manny Machado, they don't need Bryce Harper. The way this is going to go is very simple. If the Yankees get off to a bad start, the fans will be pissed and they'll be booing Cashman out of the stadium. Just like they did with Stanton last year. They booed him out of the stadium. Yeah. They're going to need to go like 20-0 and 0 to get the Yankee fan respect. Meanwhile, the Yankees, I thought, signing DJ LeMayhew, signing Troy Tulowitzki, you know, it's fine. I expect Troy Tulowitzki to get hurt, though, because he's been hurt. He, he's not going to make it over 162 games. Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. I think even Troy Tulowitzki knows that. However, it's still a pretty good signing for the league minimum. And you can mix and match him anywhere you want. Yeah. Plus, if he does stay healthy, he'll play solid for you. He will, he'll play solid. But overall, the pitching, the starting rotation to me is their Achilles heel. It is. And I think it's going to really bite them in the ass. And you got to remember, they're going to be – they'll have injuries throughout the season just like any other team. Mm-hmm. They'll have guys going on the DL. You have James Paxton coming all the way from Seattle to New York. Never played in this environment before. And, he's and while we up. exhaust this cliche to the end of time on any show, the fact is he has not played in a New York environment. Doesn't necessarily mean – like J.A. Happ came here, he was lights out. Yeah. Is he going to do it again this year? We don't, don't know. know. We don't know. But at least with J.A. Happ, he plays the Yankees all the time. So he got he knows how to play in New York kind of, kind yeah. of a little bit. Meanwhile, you know, James Paxton, he's coming from Seattle. Not the biggest baseball town over there. Nothing really. Seattle's not the biggest city in the world, but it's going to be tough. And I think what's going to bite them in the ass, and it's not – they're going to regret not signing – it's not going to be not signing with Charles. It's not going to be not signing Harper – it's going to be not signing Patrick Corbin. You let that man walk without a deal. You ha- he, should have been, he should have been priority number one. See, but I think six years is too much for Corbin. No, I agree with that, too. And the Yankees were right on that, but they should have worked out a deal where he it was in pinstripes this season, whether it was for a short-term deal or whatnot. He should have been in pinstripes because now you, you can't rely on Severino right now because he had an, all the worst second half of baseball I've ever seen in my life. James Paxton's coming off an injury. Yeah, he was he was a Cy Young candidate last year before he was injured, but he's coming off an injury. Tanaka's always injured. Jay Happ, uh, yeah, he had a good season last year, but again, you said like you said, he's a little, he's a year older, mm-hmm. and Sabathia is a year older too. I think he's pushing forty and is and is injured a lot. Yeah, so you can't really rely on this Yankees rotation. Hitting is fine, but pitching is what they should have focused on. Meanwhile, their bullpen is fantastic. Fantastic bullpen by the Yankees. And that's the thing. All your starters are going to have to do now is get to the sixth inning, get past the sixth inning, and they could be good as gold. So I think maybe that's what they're planning on, like, because I think that maybe they know, like, oh, God forbid, you know, Severino stinks it up again. All he would need to do is get to the fifth inning. And our clo- and our- well, that's a new trend. We already know that. That's, yeah. You know, nowadays starters are barely making it out of the fourth inning. If yeah. The minute they get into a little bit of trouble, the bullpen is going to take over. But, again, you're talking about a bullpen. Look, 
Dylan Batantis, I'm not worried about. Aroldis Chapman, I'm not worried about. Zach Britton, I thought had a good, you know, one. He got better after he came to the Yankees. Ottavino mm-hmm. is an interesting case because again, he pitched well in Colorado in a contract year. Mm-hmm. There's no guarantee, man. I'm sorry, there's no guarantee. Right now on paper, the Yankees have arguably the best bullpen in baseball. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh yeah, they're going to, you know, they have the best. I don't take anything into paper. I want to see it on the field, and then I'll tell you who the best bullpen is in baseball. Yeah, but I mean, look, right now I'm looking at their bullpen right now. It's Chapman, Batantis, Ottavino, Zach Britton, Shrad Green, Jonathan Holder, uh, Tommy Canelene, Johnny Lasagna, Chance Adams. It's they have a stock. They have a stocked bullpen. Very good from one from every every aspect of that bullpen. And again, they're going to get Didi back at some point this year. You know, probably by the All Star break, he's going to be back. I mean, they're going to be stacked. We all know that, and I think they're due. That's the other thing. I think they are due for a World Series title. It's been too long. It's been nine years. Not Jeff again. No, not Jeff. Mike from Bayshore on the line. Mike, what's going what's on, up? man? What's up, man? How are you? Good. Um, what's your expectations of the Yankees this year? I mean, I, I think they're definitely a contender for the World Series, no doubt. Mm-hmm. I think that the bullpen so, is going to be very so strong. With and that, with, that, with that being said, do you think if they don't get to the World Series, it's a failure for them? Yes. I No, see, I don't think so. I think if they don't make the playoffs, it's a failure. I mean, uh, But that that's too easy, though. They're gonna, You know they're going to make the playoffs. No, I know, but but I think that should be the goal because right now, really, realistically, the only thing that's in going to be in their way is, again, the Red Sox. And the Red Sox really didn't lose anyone except for Kimbrell and Sean Kelly. Other than that, they're Joe, the, Kelly. Joe Kelly. I always get that mixed up. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't you say the Yankees' bullpen got better this year? Yes. yes, I think the Yankees' bullpen did get better. Absolutely. But I, get, but I don't think their rotation got any better. I mean, yeah, James Paxton's fantastic. And it's just, I just want to see what he how he can respond after being after getting injured last season. See, the thing, yeah, about, well, the thing about this, though, you're also going to have a healthy Sanchez this year, too. That's true. That's true. See, the funny thing is about the James Paxson deal, it's a very polarizing deal. Mm-hmm. Because remember we were here doing a meeting and, like, Errol and uh, Tyler got that. into it. Oh, there. you weren't there that day. Oh, my God. There. They were shouting at each other about James Paxton. <laughs> and the thing is, like, some people really like the deal and some people really hate it. Like, there isn't, like, you know, there isn't all or none. A lot of people get really – Well, f- because you don't know what to expect from him. You don't know yeah. what he's going yeah. to be. And Paxton is a guy that, again, you're coming from Seattle, which is more of a laid-back city. It's, you know, it's a little easier to be successful there, whereas New York, the pressure's going to be on you right off the bat. Yeah. And, yeah. and some players can handle it and some players can't. So yeah. I don't know how he's able to handle the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, I like James Paxton. I hope he does do good. But it's going to be very interesting to see how he responds in a New York environment and responds after coming off an injury. But here's the crazy thing with the Red Sox. See, I think they can take the year off. I don't think they need to win another World Series this year. They've won four since 2004. I don't think they need to. I think they'll – I mean, they'll, I mean, I'm not saying well, they're gonna, not going to play hard. I mean, the goal is to win every year. Of, of course it is. So, but at the end but, of the day, it's like if they don't, it's not like the end of the world. I think it's like if there's all well, – they'll be, they'll be insanely athlete, competitive. I mean, to, me, to me as an athlete, if I don't win, I'm, I'm going to be depressed. Yeah. Of course. I mean, of, of course athletes want to win every year. I'm just saying that yeah. if they don't – It's like not if, that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal compared to where if the Yankees don't win a World Series, it's another year without a title. I, I, think, th- I think this is the year for the Yankees to lose it. I mean, look, last year you got some of the Yankees got hit with the injury bug, 
and they still won 107 games. Now, granted, you know, if Sanchez doesn't get hurt, if Judge doesn't get hurt, if Severino doesn't stink it up second half of the year, they could win 110-plus games, I think. It's very possible. Well, that's what hurt the Yankees last year was Judge going down. Yeah. Yeah, that broken that, wrist really what, did hurt them. I think if, really. if he was healthy, I think that they, they could have won that division. I, I, think, I think, yeah, if he's healthy and if Severino doesn't have the worst half of baseball, I mean... But we can, we... we we're saying this, but at the same time, we forget that the Red Sox were just a really, yeah, really good team. No one was stopping year. the Red Sox. And Alex Cora did a terrific job in his first year as manager. I mean, between Sale and Price having strong years, except when Price pitched against the Yankees. Then when oh, they got Avaldi, was lights out the second half of the year. Well, last year was Aaron Boone's first year managing, right? Yeah. It was. I mean, I'm not uh, listen, so, and I thought Boone did a good uh, did a good job too. I mean, you definitely saw some of his rookie, you know, rookie he, mistakes, he talk, he, but he's talking about a manager who's never been, you know, around, you know, managing. He's never been like a bench coach or anything, but he just stepped right in and started coaching. Yeah, I mean, listen, at the same time, he also had a stacked roster. So it wasn't like he kind of built it from the ground up either. No, and I'm not I know and, that. you know, yeah. but at the same time, he did a very good job as the manager, first-year manager, doing an excellent job. You know, I like the moves the Yankees made for the most part. I really, like I said, I've talked about it on the show a bunch of times. I really like the DJ LeMayhew signing. It's one of my favorite signings of the offseason. And uh-huh. I think they're due. I just, I don't see. But then again, look, the Red now, Sox are still going to be. They a... don't make the playoffs. Then what? Then what happens? Darren <laughs> Boom get fired? I think so. Yeah, because with this team, you you got you got to win. You they bring team, or if they get, or if they get bring, knocked down the first, if they get knocked down the first round, does he, does he get fired? I don't think he gets fired, but I think they're gonna shake. They're, they're gonna do something now. They I have think, to like change it up a little. Something's not right. Then it's something's not clicking. Yeah, I with think, the young I, guys, I think he'll be on the hot seat if they get like a first round playoff loss again, like they did last year. I mean, well, if they don't make the wild card, I mean, but yeah, I think well, it, I think if you know if they don't make the playoffs, I think he's gone. Because this, well, like this team is built for the playoffs. Isn't, isn't that strong. Yeah. So. But like even Craig said, like, you know, the this Yankees bullpen is built for, like, them to come into the sixth inning. They have guys up and down that bullpen where you can throw them into the mm-hmm. fifth inning and have them, pit, and have them go to, the, like, the seventh. Then you can throw in Britton, Adovino, Batances, Chapman, whoever you want. It's perfect for that. Because God forbid, yeah, because I mean, yeah, God forbid, you know, now, say Severino or Sabathia can't get past the fifth. It's like, oh, let's just draw in, let's throw in Jonathan Holder or Chad Green. Well, well what team? What team was starting uh, starting right out of the bullpen, and then they were going to their starting pitching, like in the second, the third inning. Um, there was a, there was a team that was they were doing it. They were starting yes, their bullpen, uh, the Rays, and then they were going to their starting. Yeah, well, the Rays. Rays, the Rays did the bullpen by the like the fifth starter was basically a bullpen game. So the guys would pitch yeah. like two innings each. Like the Rays did that. The uh, the Indians did that a couple of years ago in the playoffs. But the Rays started a trend. Yeah. They started a trend where they basically wanted, you know, this. They knew that they didn't have a fifth starter. So that year they traded Chris Archer. Mm-hmm. They traded a lot of. They traded pretty much the last, except for Blake Snell. They didn't trade it. They traded every other one of their starters. So they went with a bullpen by committee approach for the fifth starter, and it worked. And then there were times it didn't work. I mean, listen, yeah, they still won ninety games at the end of the day. Um, I don't really understand it too. I mean, it's like I mean, I, I think. Listen, if you have a, you, if you have five good starters, that's just as good as having a really stacked bullpen. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. true. But I think, like, to be honest, I mean, the AL will come down to once again. It'll be the Astros are still going to be in it regardless. As long yeah. as you have Verlander, you have Cole, 
You know, you're not going to have Keuchel, but Keuchel wasn't really that good last year. But you're also sporting a lineup with George Springer, Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman. Yeah, they still I mean, got a good lineup. Yeah. They're, they're a great lineup. And the same thing with the Red Sox, too, with Mookie Betts and Benintendi and J.D. Martinez. I mean, they're loaded, too. The Indians, are, the Indians have a pretty decent roster. I mean, it's going to come down to those teams again this year. I don't. A lot of the other teams in the American League, I mean, Tampa will be a decent team next year. I don't know if they'll be a 90-win team. I think that was kind of a fluke. But Toronto and Baltimore are rebuilding. Half the teams in the Central are rebuilding. And in the West, I mean, Oakland didn't really do anything this offseason. They didn't really add anybody big this offseason. The Angels have added, like, a, like a lot of spare parts, like Matt Harvey and, and mm-hmm. um, you know, those guys. I mean, I, I don't no. know. Seattle's would, probably going to be taking this. Would you say the NL has more talent, talented teams in the American League? It's a good question. I mean – in the NL, I mean, the East alone can give you three solid teams between the Phillies, the Braves, and the and the. Uh, see, I'll, I'll put the Mets over the Nationals. I don't think the Nationals are going to be that good this year. You put the Mets yeah. over the Nationals, really? I think so. Just I mean, why not? Because they. I guess you could. The Nationals have good pitching. I don't think their hitting is anything special, especially when you yeah. just lost Bryce Harper. You lost I mean, Bryce Harper and Daniel Murphy no. in the same year. Yeah, true. And next year, Anthony Rendon is a free agent. Mm-hmm. So. You could lose Anthony Rendon also. I mean, be, me being a Met fan, I mean, I, I just, I, I don't know. I know they have the pitching, but then <laughs> some still don't trust that lineup. It's that pessimism. It's, it's back yeah, for the it's Mets always, fan. Yeah, always with the Mets. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, like, it, it's like we'll, we'll never, Mike, we'll never get rid of that pessimism no matter how optimistic no, we can be. No, I just don't trust that lineup because, I mean, yeah, you added Cano, but really, what is he really going to do? Is, is Can he be trusted? I think Cano will have a good year. I think you he's know, not going to be asked to do everything though, and that's why I think he'll have a good year. I think you know he can hit. I can hit. He'll hit like two sixty, but like I think he'll crack twenty home runs, which I think is fine. And like I said, so we were, yeah, but maybe on the road he'll hit more home runs because that ballpark in six field is very hard to hit home runs. True, true. But at the same time, you know what? As long as he gets on base, it's all I care about. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm cool with the home runs, but I just I don't want him to go into like an zero for thirty slump or two for twenty five. I mean. Which he could do. Yeah, it definitely it's could. Possible, but again, to get back to what we were saying earlier, yeah. when we were the when we started the show was the Mets should just let Pete Alonso be the opening day first baseman, and I think that adds another bat to your lineup that's going to be crucial. And we the thing yeah, was, don't know what he, you don't know. Yeah, he's doing great play, but you don't know what he can do. In, you're right. We, we we don't know. And the thing is, we don't know. I'll give you a prime example. We have no idea what guys like. Yeah, Gleyber Torres had a great year last year. We don't know what he's going to do this year. You know, maybe you should bring Alonzo up like in May or June. I wouldn't start him right away. But again, right now, if the Mets get off to a rough start without Pete Alonzo up there, you know that's what's going to be the cause. You know, a lot of people are going to say that. They're going to be like, oh, well, Alonzo should be up. This is ridiculous. And we're waiting two weeks. And. You know the Mets aren't playing yeah, that well. To me, I rather I rather a player be developed and ready to come up than rush him up. See, I think See, I, I think th- he, but I think he he's ready though. I, yeah. I, unless he, unless, outside unless of his defense, ready, I mean, I don't know. Outside of his defense, which is still a bit of a, a little bit of a liability, but I've heard it. I've read a lot of articles that it's getting better. I think he's ready to come up. I really do. I mean, I I think I don't really see why if he keeps raking in spring training. There's no reason why he shouldn't be the opening day first baseman. I guess you could say that, but I, but I guess you could see him wait to see how he does in spring training, and then if you think he's ready, then bring him up. Yeah, but I think like I don't think the Nationals are going to be that good of a team this year. 
I think the Mets. I think the Mets can hang with the Phillies. I, I mean, uh, that's one of the things that bothers me about this whole Bryce Harper signing is just that, you know, it's like the Mets have never faced Bryce Harper before. They've faced Bryce Harper 100 times, and they've faced uh-huh. JT Real Muto 100 times. I mean, yeah. and against our pitching staff, I mean, I'll, I'll choose our pitching staff over them any day of the week. I really would. Yeah, well, healthy, yes. Yeah, of course. But DeGrom was healthy last year. Syndergaard, for the most part, eh, he was not. up and down. But Matt's, I thought Matt's was healthy. This was arguably one of his more healthy seasons last year. No, oh, I mean that's fair. I mean, I you thought know, Wheeler. I mean Wheeler had a, sh- has a, but this is all the more reason why I say that the Mets should go out and sign Dallas Keuchel. Don't waste your time with you're rolling the dice with Jason Vargas. Now Jason Vargas in his first game pitched well, like he in his first spring training game, and last year towards the end of the year he got better. You know he still was like more of a five inning pitcher though, which leads me to believe he's more of a long reliever at this stage in his career than a starter, but. Having a guy, imagine putting Dallas Keuchel in this rotation as like a five. It's better than Vargas. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, but again, I don't know what Dallas Keuchel's looking for money-wise and years-wise, and yeah, the Mets well, might I just think be. Keuchel's better than Mets. Yes. Yeah, I'll give you that. Even though I know Keuchel didn't have a good year last year, but he's he's been pretty good. He was pretty good throughout his entire stay in Houston. Yeah, because Cy Young Matt's, Matt's has had problems in high school because my brother used to play against him in high school. He always had elbow problems, always. Yeah, and you know, the thing about Matt's is he kind of gets in that Mark Pryor kind of thing where he just like – Mark Pryor had tremendous talent, and he could never stay healthy. Josh Johnson was another guy for the Marlins. He was a great pitcher. He just could never stay healthy. And his career ended so early because of that. You know, people keep so saying – So what would you expect from the Mets this year? A line playoff team? I think they're a wild card team. I definitely think they have a shot at the wild card. I don't know if they have a shot at the division. I, I think it, it, I think the key is going to be when – I think the X factor for the Mets is going to be Cespedes. If Cespedes comes back by the all-star break, which is what a lot of people are saying, I think the Mets have a good shot at the wild card. And the Mets are in good position, mind you. I think the Mets have a good shot at the wild card. I think they will well, be aggressive. If you look at them last year, really their worst month was June. Yeah, they yeah. hit a wall. And the thing was, after the All-Star break, they were one of the best teams after the All-Star break in the National yeah. League. And I think, like, the, here's the difference, though. I think that Brody will be more aggressive than Sandy Alderson ever would. I think Brody, if Brody sees that they're on the cusp of being a wild-card team or even a shot at the division, I think he's going to make that move to get them over the top. That's what I really believe because I think he's that aggressive that he would do it. You know, the minute he walked in, what was the first thing he did? He went out and got Robinson Cano, he got Edwin Diaz. The Mets' bullpen is 10 times better this year than it was last year. Oh, true, 100%. You know, throw in Lugo and Gazelman, who were great out of the bullpen last year. Justin Wilson is one is a great signing for $10 million. You know, Jarvis Familia, I'm not – I don't love Familia like the way some Mets no, fans I do. I just think he's too much of a tightrope walker. Like, he just likes, he just likes being in trouble all the time. And some, most of the time he gets out of it, but there are plenty of times he doesn't. But I think the Mets are a better team this year than they were last year. And I know the injuries to Lowry and Frazier, but I'd rather get those injuries out of the way now. I don't want to deal with those injuries in July. Yeah, well, Frazier's he's a utility player, really. He's not an everyday player. So. And he's not going to be. He's going to be like a role no. player. I think, I think he's, you know, I think – 
Frazier is going to be a guy that, you know, he'll play third base sporadically, he'll play first base sporadically, but that's about it. I think he's just pretty much here as, because he he has a pulse, and basically they, they just have to get rid of He has him for one more year, and they nobody really wants him. Yeah. So. True. Well, I'm excited for baseball to start. Yeah, so, me too, man. But, all right, Mike. All right, man, I'm also excited with Whitten came back, baby. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to get into that in a second, in a little bit, so. Yeah, but, uh, no, yeah, I'll talk to you guys about that all the time. All so, right, cool, man. Thanks for calling in, right, man. man. We appreciate it. You got it. All right, cool. Take care, Mike. All right, so Clint, let's go to a quick break, and then when we come back. We'll do. Uh, I got some axe. I got an axe to grind with a couple of things, and then we'll right. do our outside the tri-state, and we have our urban dictionary word of the day. All right. All right, so we're going to take a quick break on the Moffat on the Mike Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. The number to call again is always a 631-676-2968. That is 631-676-2968. Follow us on Instagram at Moffat on the Mike, Twitter at Moffat on the Mike, and our Facebook page as well. We're going to take a quick break, and as we said, we got a lot more to do right here, and you are listening to the Moffat on the Mike radio show only on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We'll be back right after this. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, 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 you're listening to Moffat on the Mic on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Moffat on the Mic Radio Show, only on, on uh, the Worldwide Sports, 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 sports on the Go. As I tell you, I'm tired. You know, <laughs> on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, the number to call is always six three one six seven six two nine six eight six three one six seven six two nine six eight. Craig Moffat, Chris Klim here, and I think our house band is here. Two doors down. Yeah, they're back tonight. You know, they weren't. Uh... We weren't here Monday and Wednesday, you know. So we're very excited to have the uh, the church band again uh, tuning up on the main stage, and uh, <laughs> it's the only place that I know that the bass reverberates two doors down. Like, yeah, I can't believe how uh, <laughs> it does that. When I brought my friend in, I was expecting the uh, the church to be here on Monday, and no one was here. And I was telling him, I was like, he was like, "There's," I was like, "Yo, there's a church in this building." He was like, "There's a church," and I was like, "Yeah, it's like the first door." Uh, we walked by it, and, and I was like, "Yeah, that's the church." And I was like, "I was like, that's two, we're two doors down for them, and we hear them all the time." Yeah, I mean, they were outside. The car broke down or something like that. Outside. Yeah, I saw somebody's that. car broke down, so they're trying to figure it <laughs> figure it out. So I guess they needed to you know work on that baseline before uh, <laughs> you know Sunday's big show. So, all right, Clem, let's do. Uh, I got a little bit of an axe to grind with a couple of um, things, and I'm going to start with. We were just talking about it when Mike called in was how the media is now all of a sudden jumping on the Phillies bandwagon after the Bryce Harper deal. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'll say about the Bryce Harper deal. From an average annual value, it's not bad. I think it's like $25 million here and there. I think it goes up one year, but then in like the last two or three years, it's $22 million. It's 13 years, Clem. 13 years. Full no opt-out, by the way. And no trade. So Because no one's going to take on that contract late. But the Phillies had to do what they had to do. So I read an interesting article about how the Dodgers had offered him $45 million a year for four years. So the contract went out to like $180 million, but it was $45 million a year. Here's the thing. Because a lot of the articles came out about, well, the Mets are in trouble because they're, you know, Bryce Harper staying in the NL East. If I'm the Mets, I'm not afraid of Bryce Harper. I'm not afraid of the Phillies. I've beaten the Phillies enough times. The Phillies have beaten us time enough times. 
I don't understand like why all of a sudden the Phillies are the team to beat when Bryce Harper hasn't won a damn thing. He has not won anything. And those Nationals teams were really good. They were. Murphy, Rendon, Harper. Just name a few. Ah, there they go. Yeah. Now they got now they got it going. They're gonna play stairway pretty soon. <laughs> Which would make sense for a church to play stairway to heaven. <laughs> right? But this notion that all of a sudden the Phillies are like, oh my god, they're the team to beat, you know, in the or the or they're the favorites at the NL East. I beg to differ. I'm not saying the Mets are the favorite, but I don't think the Phillies are either. I mean, I think the Braves have a good chance. I mean, the Braves haven't done too much. Now there's talk that the Braves may go after Keuchel because they have two pitchers that are hurt. Two of their young guys have elbow issues already. Jeez, mm, that's not good. So then there's a lot of talk that Keuchel may be uh, on his way to Atlanta, depending on what kind of deal he gets. But my issue is, look, no, no one doubts the Phillies got better. But I don't think the Mets should be afraid of the Phillies. I don't. Yeah, I don't think they should. First of all, they shouldn't be afraid of any team. Second, you know what? Like this, this, this team doesn't scare me as much as it should. But I mean, it does a little bit now that I'm looking at the roster. I forgot some of the moves they made. I forgot they got out, went out, and got Gene Segura. Totally forgot they got JT Real Muto. But I mean, this is this is still a good Phillies but I, team. But I don't like the pitching. The pitching worries me. Arietta was not that good last year. He and that's wasn't. saying a lot, okay, because Arietta's always been a good pitcher, especially when he's with Chicago. Mm-hmm. All right, Nola is solid. I already know Aaron Nola is a solid pitcher. But outside of that, I'm not 100% sold on that rotation. I'm also not really – I mean, the bullpen was well, – they were good last year, but now they have David Robertson. Yeah. But a lot of people are making a big deal about the David Robertson signing, and I don't think it's – it's a good signing. I don't think it's an amazing signing. It's good, but I mean, if you're going to rely on David Robinson to be your everyday closer, that's not good. Yeah, not to mention, that. like, listen, McCutcheon is not what he used to be. No, it looks like he's playing center, uh, left field for the Phillies. Who's playing center? Not Harper. No, Herrera. Oh, Herrera. Which is fine. Herrera's a good at center fielder. Like, listen, don't get me wrong. The Phillies got better. I'm not saying they didn't. But I don't believe for a minute that they are the team to beat in the NL East. I just don't – right now, I think that's going to be an ultra-competitive division outside of the Marlins. I think the Braves are always a tough out. The Mets – you know, the Mets always play the Phillies pretty tough. I don't think the Nationals are going to be as good. I think the Nationals hitting took a hit. Mm-hmm. This year, it definitely took a hit. When you lose Murph and you lose Harper, that's tough. Not to mention, you can guarantee that Strasburg will be on the DL in some way, shape, or form. Scherzer is still Scherzer. Scherzer is still a lights-out pitcher. And again, you have Patrick Corbin. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to make of Patrick Corbin right now, especially on that kind of deal. I mean, this team is very young, you can see, because you got Juan Soto, who's playing left field, who had an incredible season last year when he got called up. You have Victor Robles, who was a top prospect last season. Playing center field. Adam Eaton's playing right. It's not awful, but I mean, eh. Ryan Zimmerman stinks. He's at first base. Brian Dozier's at second. He stinks. Trey Turner's at short, which is which is good. And you got Randone at third. And Jan Gomes behind the plate. Not to mention they still have Adam Eaton, right? Who got hurt last yeah, year. Yeah, he's, he's starting right field. Did I not say him? 
I, I don't know. I wasn't paying. Not that I wasn't paying attention. I don't, <laughs> go, I don't want to beat this. Dumb. But no, yeah, Adam Eaton's playing right. I don't field. remember you saying Adam Eaton. <laughs> By I, the way, for all our Facebook viewers, this is not chalk talk. So. Yeah, I, I made that clear in our uh, and that's no disrespect section. to the chalk talk guys whatsoever. I'm just yeah, saying, we love like, chalk talk, but yeah, we're not chalk. We talk. are not chalk talk tonight, <laughs> right? But um, I don't know. I I just think it's so unfair to just automatically say, "Oh, the Mets are in trouble," and the Mets should have, you know, like David Lennon had an article today. I was reading it on the way home from work, and it was basically saying that it was basically like, "Oh, well, instead of the Mets facing." Bryce Harper only 13 times a year. They get to face him like 30 times. I'm like, but the Mets have faced Bryce Harper before. It's, yeah, like, it's, it's not, not like they've never it's faced it's him before. It's nothing new, yeah. It's not like, it's not like we're getting uh, Mike Trout. Yeah, like, like it's not like he's – I mean, all <laughs> Bryce Harper is doing is going from Washington to Philadelphia. That's it. And the Mets have faced him enough times. Syndergaard struck him out enough times. Harper's homered off the Mets enough times. I mean, that's how it's going to be. We know the Mets know Harper, and Harper knows the Mets. That's it. It's plain and simple. And the thing is, is that you know why they're doing this too? Because because of you know Brody being a little too overconfident for the Mets this year. Mm-hmm. The Mets and Phillies are going to have dog fights. That's what they do in the NL, NL, NL East. That's what they do. In fact, the team I'm worried about the most is Atlanta because the Mets can never seem to beat Atlanta. Yeah, I know. Atlanta and Miami. They have like the worst time against the Miami Marlins. Every game that they play against the Marlins is like three to two, and it's like when it shouldn't be. But they play the Phillies well. They play the Braves okay for the most part. I think the Mets play the Nationals better than they've ever had. You know, I think they've played much better against the Nationals. Oh, yeah, definitely. So the thing is, like, I can't be afraid of Bryce Harper coming to Philadelphia. And actually, Eric made a good point. Eric said that he thinks Harper's overrated. I think he is overrated. And, I, and I'm inclined to agree with that. I think he is a little overrated. Because last year, I think he hit like 240. I mean, he had like 35 home runs last year, but he still hit like 240. He, I mean, now a lot of people argued that was because they were pitching around him. He hit 249. 130 walks, that's a lot. Um, yeah, because they were pitching around them. 100 RBIs and 34 home runs. Listen, he had a decent – he had a good year. Average-wise, not so much, but hitting-wise, sure. year before that, he hit two, 319, 87 home runs, 29 RBIs, and he – Oh, only, yeah. strike that, reverse it. 87 RBIs, 29 <laughs> home runs, and he played in 100 games because he was injured. Because I must have missed the celebration when he hit 61. Year before that, he hit two, he, 243, and this was 2016, 243, 86 RBIs, 24 home runs. He's inconsistent, mm-hmm. and he gets injured. A, not a, I wouldn't say a lot, but he gets injured quite a bit. I just Here's my problem. I hate the fact that people automatically declare this team the NLE's favorites just because they got Bryce Harper. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And look, like I, immediately, like no one else, all of a sudden it's like everything the Mets did went out the window. Everything the Braves might have done this year and last year went out the window. I'll say, you know, if Bryce Harper was really consistent with his numbers, then I would say, yeah. You know, Phillies, they took nine steps forward and they could, they're, they're, they're going to be a problem for the Mets and the Braves. But they didn't. Bryce Harper was on a stacked team when he was with the Nationals. Didn't do anything there. What makes anyone think? Even when he won the MVP, 
the, but he the didn't Nationals win. He yeah, didn't exactly. win anything. They, they never even, got they past the go, DS. Yeah, they didn't even go to the NLCS with Bryce Harper. Even when the, even when the National I mean, even when Harper won the MVP, the Nationals didn't make the playoffs. But it was like they were saying, "Oh, well, he'll have an easier time in Philly because it's a hitter's ballpark." Well, so was Washington. Washington was a hitter's park. Home runs were flying out of that place. First of all, if you're Bryce Harper, every ballpark should be a hitter's ballpark. Ballpark that that shouldn't be a problem. Is that Bryce- what the problem is? Is that it, because now oh, well, he's got to be better? And I mean, it, it it's like it's a laundry list of excuses as to why Bryce Harper is going to excel in Philadelphia. I think everyone just He could be the type of guy that wears out his welcome in 3 years. I just think that you know, if they if uh oh, I lost my train of thought. I don't I forgot what I was going to say. Crap. You want, to, you want to think about it? Come back to me. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying like this is a guy who got choked out by his own bullpen, by his own relief pitcher. <laughs> Because he didn't leg leg out a first uh, or go out like go hard on a ground out or something like that. Yeah, he's a bum. But my, to what I was gonna say was that you know Bryce Harper is this. He's I think everyone wants Bryce Harper. Like it's just a name, you know what he's been. Everyone quote named him like as like the chosen one of baseball. Like there were so many things on him when he was like fifteen, smacking home runs and everything. Like so, everyone expects him to be this good. When in reality. He's just—he's a good player. Don't get me wrong; he's a good player, but he's not—he's not Mike Trout. He's not him. He's not Nolan Arenado. He's not Manny Machado. He's not any of these guys. He's not Judge. He's Bryce Harper. He's a very good player. And the question is, though, does he make everyone around him better? No. And I don't know. I don't know for certain. No, I think we do know. We've seen this man been playing for six years in this league already—seven years—and he hasn't done anything with the Nationals. He hasn't got past the DS. Nationals were always a feared team. Every single year since 2000, when he got brought up in 2012, this man, the 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 Nationals are always like, oh, Nationals can win, can win the, can go to the title, can go to the World Series this year. Never got past the DS. Every single year. Now, I'm not saying I wouldn't take Bryce Harper on my team either, though. Because, of course, if the Mets signed Bryce Harper, I would be very happy. Yeah, because he still does, you know, he'll hit you 100 R. He'll have 100 R. And you put him in a lineup, and yes, he will make an impact in your lineup. But this notion that just because he's signed with the Philadelphia Phillies, that the Mets should be freaking out that they have to face him again all year is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. Because, like I said, there are plenty of times that Bryce Harper struck out against the Mets, and there are plenty of times he's homered against the Mets. Okay. But I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, my God, our season's over because Bryce Harper's in Philadelphia. It would make a difference. Literally. Just like the Mets have faced JT Realmuto. JT Realmuto is a very good catcher. Is he the best catcher in the league? I don't know. It's up there. He's up there. Yeah, I mean, he, they're, I'll put it this way. Run down every catcher in the league. You're not saying much when you say, well, he's the best catcher in Major League Baseball. Well, of course he is because there's only like two or three good catchers. Well, especially now that uh, Salvador Perez is out for the season. Exactly. None of the other catchers can hit. Like, Wilson Ramos is a good catcher. Do I think he's better than JT Realmuto? Not really. <laughs> but again, there's no one else. Who else is out there? Grandal is not that great. Can you think of anybody else, Clem? Posey. That's it. But he doesn't even really play catcher that much anymore. I mean, I could argue Gary Sanchez might be a better catcher, but he can't field the ball for shit. <laughs> That's really it. 
But I'm saying, like, it's such like a – calling him the best catcher in Major League Baseball just doesn't – it sounds stupid. It's just like, okay, so what? That's not saying much. Run down the catchers for all 30 teams in Major League Baseball. There's like three or four good catchers. Maybe five. Four if you take Perez out because he's out for the season. The Mets have faced these guys. So why are we all of a sudden declaring the Phillies the winners of the NL East? Because you want to see them succeed, and I get that. But this is going to be a tough division either way. The Phillies are not going to – it's not going to be a cakewalk for the Phillies. Just like it's not going to be a cakewalk for the Mets or the Braves or the Nationals. But everyone's so ready to declare – Declare them as the favorites. I mean, look, no one's the favorite. We're not going to know until until the season starts. We don't know what we're going to see from their bullpen. We don't know what we're going to see from the Mets, and we don't know what we're going to see from the Braves. But we'll see how it goes because we don't know. Mm-hmm. If JT Realmuto gets hurt, can Bryce Harper carry the team? I don't know. Can Gabe Kapler manage the ego? I don't know. He's shady, that guy. Kapler? I don't know. He just seems like he's ever since he's joined the f- manager Phillies, like these weird things keep coming up with him. It was like, wasn't there something with like a military guy? Like when he first got hired, it was like he didn't. Uh, there was something to do with like the military. I don't know. Every every time the Phillies are in the news, I try not to pay attention because I hate the Phillies. Then over the over like recently, he was like he didn't report a domestic violence incident or something like that. I, I don't know the the whole story, but so basically, we're saying this guy's a bad guy. I think he's shady. I don't know how true a lot of this stuff is, but I think it just seems like these things keep happening. And when they keep happening to people, you don't ignore the fact that there's a reason. Yeah. On to my other axe to grind for today. Clem, if I had to tell you which one was more useless, power rankings or mock drafts, which one would you think? I'm going to say power rankings just because I like doing mock drafts. (laughs) You like doing 50 of them? I usually do a roughly around like four or five. Get out. <laughs> I usually do. I, I find joy in doing mock drafts. I've been doing mock drafts for about Okay, but I'm saying 10 when, years when you do a mock draft, do mm-hmm. you really think about it? Or do you just pull like this weird scenario out of your ass where like, oh, well, the Raiders will get Kyler Murray. So I'm going to do a mock draft with the Raiders just getting Kyler Murray. No. I usually, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I am a little more favored uh, to the Jets. But in recent years, like I have looked up, like what team, what do teams need, and like who, I think who would be good fits for them. I don't do trades or anything like that. I just whatever the first round. I usually just do the first round. I've never done a a seven, an all seven round mock draft. Mm-hmm. But when I do mock drafts, I find I, I when I first started doing them, I was just like, okay, bam, 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 bam. bam. This is who I think would do. As I got older and started looking into stuff more, I started really analyzing like who needs what. And started doing that. Like this year, I haven't. I'm starting to do my second, uh, my my 2.0 mock draft. And my first one came out with I had the Jets drafting Joey Bosa because mm-hmm. I see I see him fall in the three. And I had the Giants drafting Greedy Williams, the cornerback. Okay, so here's what I'll say. Here's why I don't like either. First of all, the only mock draft I like is the Mayock one. And now we're not going to have it anymore because he's the GM of the Raiders, so he's not going to tell you who he yeah. likes. Okay, unless actually he could if he just skipped over the Raiders pick. Picks. Right. picks. Three, three first-round picks. Okay. But the thing is, at number four, they'll probably have a general idea of who he, who he likes if he's skipping over and then picks everybody else. The problem I have with too many mock drafts is, is that 
They'll do a mock draft right after the combine. Then they'll do a mock draft after the pro days. Then they'll do a mock draft after this and after that. There's no thought process into it. I did. You're basing it on nobody bases a mock draft on what happens at the combine. The combine is probably the one area where you'll get a few things. You'll see a few things in players, but nothing that like insanely stands out. They, yeah, they could have a great combine workout, and they do absolutely nothing after that. <clears throat> I just think for the combine, I, I could really care less about uh, 40 times and how many be- how many benches you do and all that stuff. I can give, really care, give care, uh, I want to see, like, how if I, you're a wide receiver, I want to see how you can catch the ball, how you can come in and out of cuts. Same thing with wide receivers and with quarterbacks. I want to see how you can uh, – But it's like – You throw the ball CBSSports.com. Does like mock drafts every fifteen minutes. You know, I'm gonna bash CBS Sports real because, quick because I don't like their. But mock the thing drafts is, the, here's the thing about their mock drafts though. They just pull these weird scenarios out of their ass. That's why I don't like them. Like, there's no thought process to it. There's no thought process as to like, well, here's a possibility where they may draft Kyler Murray number one overall, and then we do the then we build the mock draft from there. The last CBS Sports mock draft just pissed me off because it was so typical. And I always say this, too. There are Jet haters out there. I know there are. They look for any way to piss on this franchise any way they get. And maybe they deserve it. Maybe the Jets deserve it because they've been such a, you know, just inept franchise for too long. But at one point, the guy from CBS Sports, I don't know, I forgot his name, had the Jets trading down all the way from 3 to 15. To draft TJ, whatever his name is, Hawkinson or Stern from Iowa. Tight end. Like Who those, is drafting a tight end 15th overall? Like those are the morons out there. Just so that. Oh, who, it's this guy. I'm looking at Chris Trapasso. Uh, Trapasso. So the Redskins can get Kyler Murray. That guy's a moron. I'm saying it right now. But I'm like, yeah. where do you pull this stuff out of your ass? Now, here's the thing. Power rankings are ridiculous just because, number one, they're too subjective. They're too subjective. Klim's power rankings will be totally different from mine. Mm-hmm. And I have to defend my power rankings. I think power rankings are just stupid in general because they don't even show it's all opinion-based. Yeah. Like, for example, the Islanders were the number one team in the Metro before they lost tonight to the Capitals. I think in one of the CBS power rankings, they were seventh. How is a team that is first place in the Metro number seven? They should be at least top four. Automatically top four. See, like, I'm looking at, like, I, this is why I don't like CBS Sports mock drafts. And no offense to CBA, CBS Sports, but this one, I'm looking at it right now. They have Drew Locke going fifth to the Redskins. Like, see what I mean? It's like, like, no way in hell is Drew Locke a top five pick and dra- getting drafted before. Uh, Dwayne Haskins. I mean, Dwayne Haskins went too. Never mind. But like, do you, like if the Redskins are making that trade. They're going to screw the Giants out of Dwayne Haskins. That's what they're going to do. Yeah, this this guy had Dwayne Haskins. Uh, the Giants drafting Josh Allen, which isn't bad. I just think that a lot of times these guys just pull these mock drafts out of their ass, just because it's just like they have nothing else to write about. Free agency is not. It doesn't start for another two weeks. They can't really disclose any rumors or trades going on, and everybody's at the combine. So now, watch on Monday. You know what you're going to get? You're going to get the post combine draft. That's what I'm making mine. You know, 
Actually, I should have rephrased that. I'm going to throw one more in here that I think could be more useless than the both of these combined, and that's draft grades. Yeah. No, draft grades are absolutely worthless. Like, you, you drafted a guy fifth overall, and here comes friggin' Pete Prisco telling you he gave you a D- minus on your pick because he just didn't like it. I think, ju- I think you know, with the grades, it's just overall, like, what they expect from these kind of players and, like, you know, all that kind of – all that good stuff, but – Like, I enjoy reading mock drafts when they're well thought out and they make sense, Okay. And it's all, and the thing is, you don't have to do a mock draft every week. No, yeah, you don't have to do one. You could do a mock draft once a month. Like, I'd say I have a bigger axe to grind with draft grades in the both of these things. Although I hate power, I think power rankings are so stupid because you're not really giving, you're not showing, you're a little biased when you mm-hmm. do power rankings. You're See, a little biased from one towards one team or the other. See, I'm looking at Pete Prisco's bot, uh, mock draft right now. His is actually believable. I like his. Who does he have the Jets taking? Williams? Quinn Williams, which is fun. I mean, look, I get a lot of people are, are thinking that. So, I mean, I don't hate it. He has the Giants taking Haskins. He has Drew Locke going to the Broncos, which I could see happening, unfortunately, for the Broncos. I think, yeah, I think oh, so far all the ones on CBS right now, I think his is the most believable. I really don't think the Broncos are taking Drew Locke in the first round. Again, like I've, and I've said, this, this is going to be a panic pick for quarterbacks in this it's draft. It's going to be like the Christian Ponder draft and the Ryan Tannehill draft and mm-hmm. all those guys, Jamarcus Russell. You know, the list goes on and on. It's almost like for every Sam Darnold, there's Cade McNown. There's, like I said, Tannehill was kind of a bust. You know, just keep going. I mean, the possibilities are endless. It is amazing how so many quarterbacks have been taken with, like, panic move picks. The Jets took Sanchez. Look at that. You know, Sanchez, too. What if he comes back to the Jets this year? Jets need a backup quarterback. No, I don't want him. I'd rather draft a quarterback. I'd rather do, like, what the Redskins did when they drafted uh, Cousins and Griffin. and Griffin in the same year. But, I mean, I think you can draft a young guy behind Darnold, too. I'd rather do that than sign a veteran. What do I need a veteran for? Unless we're signing McCown back. No, I don't want McCown. I, I like McCown. Don't get me wrong. I love McCown. He's he was very he's a very consummate professional, but he's forty. They don't need McCown. Yeah, I mean I get it, but I mean like I feel like you got to keep the connection going. At least come have him be a coach or something. And come back and bring Fitz back. I'd rather have McCown. <laughs> I'd rather have McCown honestly. Who else? It's out there at quarterback for backups. I saw Matt Castle was a name out there. No. I wouldn't hate him as backup. Um, I mean, let me look. It's not a very good uh, class. I know that. I saw Sanchez was another name that made me say uh, Sanchez. Um, let me see. Let me pull it up right now. We got Matt Schaub. No. Wouldn't hate that. Next. Um, Tyrod Taylor. I'd take Tyrod. I wouldn't. I would. I would like some Tyrod Taylor. Um, he might be a starter, though. He might get a starting job somewhere. What are the odds we sign back Teddy Bridgewater again and then trade him? <laughs> no, you won't be able to trade him. But I would take him. I would sign him. That's really it. Unless you sign back Nick Foles. Unless you sign Nick Foles, Gino can make a return. <laughs> but I'm saying, but game oh, back to what we were talking about. But the thing is, is just like 
mock drafts are just like they're fun. I'm not saying they're fun to read, mm-hmm. but I mean they put them out every week, and yeah. that's to me that's just too much. Like it's I like, use, like when I do my mock drafts, I usually try to do like f- like from January to April, like once a month. That's what and, I try to do. And the thing is that uh, you can't. There's no way, like, and the thing is, the whole mock draft stays the same. You just tweak it. So what's the point of even doing another one? You hear more different grades and see what now how people have pro days are going. Then you do other ones based off of for the free agency because you know you have certain guys going here. Like, like say I have the Jets drafting Nick Bosa. If the Jets can pick up like Demarcus Lawrence and D Ford in the in the free agency, the Jets wouldn't need to draft Nick Bosa. But they not to, but then not to mention it's like with power rankings, it's like a team loses and they drop like five spots. Like, I'm like, what are you basing this on? Cause they lost that on the road to the new England Patriots. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't give my team much of a chance there either. It's almost like it, like I, again, I know it's, they're like fluff pieces of anything. Yeah. But the fact is, is like, they're just so pointless. I like, I like ESPN's mock drafts. Because they don't do them every week. That's why. They don't do them every other day. And Mel Kuyper is a bum. But, I mean, like... like, like- NFL.com doesn't even do mock drafts every day. They keep the same ones the whole time. Charlie yeah. Cashley, we just saw it on the on the ticker at the bottom. Charlie Cashley, that's not going to change for three months. Yeah. I can't wait for the draft. Oh, I love the draft. I can't wait for free agency. I, I love free agency a lot more. I like free agency. When does free agency open? Free agency starts on, I think it's the 13th. It's that two, either, I think the 12th or the 13th, but that weekend, they, I think they could start negotiating. Which is going to be great. That's yeah. why you see like the mad dash of people at 4 o'clock signing contracts. Most of those contracts break before the more the thing starts. Oh, uh, yeah. All, all 2018 player contracts will expire at 4 p.m. New York time. The 2019 league, blah, 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 begin 4 p.m. on March 13th. All right, so 4 p.m. March 13th. I'm going to be excited. That's 12 days away. I always look forward to free agency and the draft. The draft, you know, it so sucks because you have to wait so long for the draft. But I'm, I'm mad it's not in New York anymore. I'm really mad. Um, I liked it in New York. That doesn't bother me as much, but I understand. I understand why. I, do, I don't like it just because, you know, now that I'm older – I want to go to these things. I always ask myself, the people that actually go to the second day and just sit there all day, like, do you think they have friends? Those are the diehard fans. Those are the That's true. a little too diehard. That, yeah, that I was, get that you want to see football, like you want to see the draft, but I mean, come on, dude. You wouldn't catch me there. The, Not only, the only chance I would go to uh, – I would never go to the NFL draft unless I was like working for a station or whatever. Yeah. That would go. Yeah, I would go to that or if I had the chance to meet like – Adam Gase, Mike McCagney, and a coach or something. Yeah, but no, I would never, I would never go. No, but yeah, I'm, yeah, like, but like now that I'm older, like I want to go to the NFL draft, but like it's not in New York anymore, so I have to wait till it comes back to Radio City. It's almost as bad when the NFL Network devotes two hours to the release of the schedule. <laughs> That's my personal favorite. Rich Eisen sits there and he tries to tell you, he tries to sell you on how the Arizona Cardinals schedule is going to be, and like, yeah, they're going to suck. They're going to lose. <laughs> they're going to lose like ten games. It was ten to you know thirteen games this year. No, I like it when fans overanalyze the schedule and they're just like, "Yeah, man, my team's gonna win this amount of games." No, you're not. <laughs> like, like, I- like when everyone we, we I remember everyone in the station was when I was doing home stretch, this show when I was I was talking to Speedy and whatnot. All my, my school shows, everything. Everyone was telling me, "Yeah, Giants are gonna win ten games, nine games." I'm like, I'm, I must no have, I know. must have been nuts because like, there's no way to know that. 
the, the, first of all, there's no way to know that. Second of all, I predicted their schedule correct. Five wins. Uh, humble brag, but but I was like, really? <laughs> you really want to do that? Yes. Uh, I was like, there's no way the Giants were going to win. 10 games this season. I didn't see it. And and they everyone was kept telling me, "Oh yeah, 10 games, 9 games, this game, whatever." And I'm like, they convinced me because like I kept hearing it from so many different people. I'm like, maybe I'm wrong. Although I will say one thing because we have to get to the next thing. Power rankings are bad. When you're doing power rankings for the AAF, that's ridiculous. Who's doing power rankings for the AAF? cbssports.com. That's why I look, I like all I like CBS I like CBS and what they put out, but some of the stuff they put out. I is don't just ridiculous. care who the number one team is in the American Alliance no. football. Like I've been watching the games, like I've been entertained. I'm not saying I haven't, mm-hmm. but I know that half of these guys come to the NFL, they're not making it. Yeah. So you might as well just stay where you are and just collect the 250. Like if I'm Trent Richardson, I wouldn't come anywhere near the NFL. I'd go right to the XFL or something, or go to CFL after that. <laughs> I would not come to the NFL because I know I'm going to fail. So why am I going to go to the NFL and fail again? When the AAF is perfectly fine, I'm making a quarter of a million dollars. You know? All right, so let's go to outside the tri-state, our uh, five uh, non-New York topics of the day. You fired up, man? You don't look it. A little tired. Oh, Jesus. Long day. Come talk to me when you have two kids, all right, sir? (laughs) All right. Not not to put any pressure on you, I'm just saying. (laughs) All right, here we go. Number one, Eagles have re-signed defensive end Brandon Graham to a three-year, $40 million deal. They've also elected not to franchise quarterback Nick Foles, making him an unrestricted free agent. So I'm going to assume that the money they saved on Foles went to Brandon Graham. Probably, most good, likely. Good signing for me. You know what's funny about the Eagles, man? I give the Eagles a lot of credit. Somehow they find a way to keep these guys in, you know, under the cap and everything. Mm-hmm. They don't really make a ton of cuts, and somehow they just figure out a way. I gotta give him a lot of credit. Brandon Graham's a good player. He is. I was kind of hoping he'd be playing for the Jets this year. But yeah. I mean, I I, I mean, I like the signing. I think it was a pretty uh, cost-effective deal for them. I don't know what the guaranteed money was in the deal, but I mean, you're looking at a deal of like just over thirteen million a year. It's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad at all. You know, he's a pretty decent defensive end. So I mean, that's a pretty good job by the Eagles. Number two, Jason Witten has decided to come out of retirement. I have no idea why. After one year to return to the Dallas Cowboys. He could have just did this last year when he just totally screwed them without, so they couldn't draft a tight end because he he, re, he retired yeah. the day after the draft, basically. Yeah, I do you think that maybe he got like uh, like that guilty feeling that maybe he screwed them over <laughs> and like he finally decided to come back? No. Here's the thing: he's 37 years old, 37. Okay, still a good tight end, he's still productive tight end. Is he gonna make the Cowboys better? No. He's not. They are who they are. I don't know if this is more to mask all the drama around Randy Gregory and David Irving who got suspended also. Two guys who got suspended from the Cowboys. Maybe that's why he's coming back. The timing of the announcement's a little awkward for me. Right before the combine and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I guess he just wanted to make a splash in the news. I mean, I look, again, I don't understand why he... Uh... Why he wants to leave the book, the booth? Maybe it's just because he kept getting roasted so much. But I, I really, I really have no idea. I can, I don't have an answer. Yeah, I mean, but- I, I don't think he's going to do much for the Cowboys outside of what? I mean, he can't carry the load like he used to. I mean, he'll make some big plays. He'll probably kill the Giants a bunch of times because that's what he did best. I mean, he's one of the best tight ends, you know, to play the game. But mm-hmm. 
I mean, at 37 years old, I just don't think and a year out away from football, I don't necessarily know what he's going to bring. Plus, new offensive coordinator. Yeah, Kellen Moore. I mean, I like, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what Jason Witten can do. And let's yeah, not forget I, that his last year I with the Cowboys, he wasn't that good. That's part of the reason why I think the Cowboys never really win or not or haven't been that successful since Jimmy Johnson, because quite frankly, they make these oddball decisions. Kellen Moore. This sounds like Jason Garrett all over again. I think they're just grooming him to exactly. be Exactly. Like, Garrett, it sounds yeah. like it's like – so if, if he does a really good job this year as Cowboys offensive coordinator and someone calls to hire him as a head coach, is Jerry Jones going to block him and then give him a ton of money just to be the offensive coordinator? It's, and I've said this before, too, in the past. I think everyone's just trying to look and get the next Sean McVay. Everyone wants the next Sean McVay, so they're going to try and True. get him. But I'm saying, like, but why? I mean, listen, uh, maybe Kellen Moore does good. I, I don't know, okay? But my point is is that Jerry Jones falls in love with these guys because he, th- he sees something. Kellen Moore was only a quarterback in the league for, what, five years? And maybe he is better suited to be a coach over a, over a quarterback. You know, I don't know. Yeah. But the thing is, is, like, what happens if a team comes calling for Kellen Moore? Are you going to offer him a crazy amount of money to stay? Yeah, it's tough. And then I mean, what happens if you hire a new coach after this year if Jason Garrett doesn't get the job done? Kellen Moore's not going to have a job. Not going to have a job. It's, I think, look, I like Kellen Moore a lot. He's one of my favorite college players of all time. But you really don't know what you're going to get from Kellen Moore because he all, his, his entire coaching experience was just last year, that yeah. one year. With the Cowboys as a quarterbacks coach. Granted, yeah, Dak Prescott took, I think, a step forward last year. But still one year, and now he's already the OC at 30 years old. That's what I'm saying. They just, you know, I mean, listen, maybe it's a changing of the guard with coaching. I don't know. I think it is. Everyone's but, maybe younger. a younger guy is a better idea. I, I mean, maybe the bringing back retreads like Scott Linehan aren't really doing the – doing. A, maybe it's doing a disservice. Maybe it's good to give a young coach a, a chance. But I just get this feeling that Jerry Jones like loves these guys to the point where if they get offers from another team, he's going to block them and offer them more money to stay when you don't really need to do that. Yeah. Number three, the Ottawa Senators fired head coach Guy Boucher after gutting their roster at the trade deadline as the team is currently on a six-game losing streak. I don't understand this personally. I might as well just let this guy ride out the year and then fire him. I don't yeah. see what the point is in firing him with 19 or 18 games left to go in the season. I mean, you trade away all the guys you, you – Set out, you successfully did what you were going to do, and that's trade away your rentals to get back draft picks and get back young players. Might as well just let this guy coach out. What does it make? What's the deal if he just finishes out the year? He's not going to make it anyway. He's going to get fired after this year anyway. Number four, rough day for a couple of players. In the NFL, Alex Collins was arrested after being involved in a car accident near the Ravens facility, although they didn't really say why he was arrested. From what I saw, and uh, he was released today by the uh, ball, by the Baltimore Ravens. So congratulations to him. And then uh, Demarius Thomas was arrested on a vehicular assault charge. Thomas was driving 70 miles per hour when his SUV went off the road and flipped end over end after hitting a median. One of the passengers suffered serious injuries, so I'm assuming that's where the vehicular assault comes in. Well, no, I don't want him on the Jets anymore. So. <laughs> Well, I mean, Jesus, he just didn't he tear his Achilles or something like that, or tear his ACL? Yeah, but if we got him on a cheap deal, I wouldn't hate it. He sucks. He's not. He, no, I don't no, want. No, Demarius I've Thomas. always liked Demarius Thomas. I'll take Michael Crabtree. Thank I you. will also take Michael Crabtree. But 
Alex Collins was actually pretty decent last year for a little while, and then Gus Edwards kind of took over, and he kind of got a little lost in the shuffle. Mm. But they'll well, probably get a job tomorrow. Probably. It's, I mean, when you when you crash your car and get arrested and stuff, I mean, yeah, you're only gonna get you'll get a job 24 hours after, right? Hmm. Adam Schefter just tweeted: There are three teams that have shown emo- the most interest in wide receiver Antonio Brown to date, and they are the Raiders, the Redskins, and the Titans. Really, the Titans? That's interesting. Redskins, I'm not surprised. Although I wouldn't touch them if I'm the Redskins. Raiders, I'm not surprised either. I'm really not surprised at the Raiders. They got the draft capital to trade for AB. They can trade two of those picks to get Antonio Brown if they really want to. I think they could trade one of those picks and a second-round pick to get him. Not They're, four. It's got to be like a mid-round pick. It's, right? yeah, it's got to be their, I think, like the 21st or 24th overall picks that they have, but... I think these are all. I think all three teams desperately need a number one wide receiver. And Demarius Thomas pretty much hurt his career by getting arrested and all that good stuff. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, no. I think I think each one of those. Three I thought teams, you were going to say the Jets, to be honest. But I'm kind of glad. I'd rather see the Jets go after Bell. I'd rather go with what you can control. I'd rather the, go after somebody you know you can control. You don't have to trade draft picks for. You just offer them a lot of money. You have plenty of money under the cap. You can afford to to put take the cap hit. If if the Jets do not get Le'Veon Bell this all season, I don't care how good the draft is. I don't care what other moves Mike McCagney makes. If the Jets do not get Le'Veon Bell, it's a, not a good offseason. I'm okay. declaring that right now. It's not a good offseason if that doesn't happen. And last but not least, it was a rough day for the Manziel family. I don't know if you know. Manziel was released from the Montreal Alouettes. Shucks. And is barred from signing with any other CFL team. It is unclear why he was released, but some reports are saying he missed team meetings or just missed meetings in general, which violates one of the conditions for him to be in the league. He's already talking to the AAF. It's fine. So I mean, what, I'm not what, surprised there. I, I mean, mean what, what team does Hackenberg play for? Because they can use a quarterback. No, they have Zach Mettenberger now, too. He tore it up last week. They have Zach, Zach Mettenberger didn't start over Hackenberg? Because they want to prove that they can fix Hackenberg, and they can't fix Hackenberg. Mettenberg was the starter in the NFL. Now I would like the world to say, because that was the probably the worst draft pick in Jets history. Next to Vernon Golston. What about Kyle, uh, Kyle Brady? That wasn't – no. I don't think Kyle Brady was that bad of a pick. I just think he was not used correctly. He was more of a blocking tight end. He wasn't a pass-catching tight end. Or who did the Jets draft over Warren Sapp? They drafted uh, Kyle Brady. Well, that was the Kyle Brady draft? That was draft? Kyle Brady draft. Jets. <laughs> oh, if you ever want to see a funny YouTube video. I've seen it. You've seen it when they do like – and you hear the fans just like all like – They're again. like, oh, no. <laughs> Great video. Adding insult to injury from Manziel, uh, his wife, Brie Tiesi, was accused of cheating at a half marathon in California after setting world records for the last six miles of the race despite not training. Many are alleging she cut out a section of the course in order to finish with an excellent time. I could see that. Hey. It's the Manziel family. They're just they're very shady. Yeah, I'm so, not surprised at all. She probably took a cab there. <laughs> you've, you've watched The Office? I don't like The Office. What? I don't like The Office. I'm not a fan. Do you I, like Parks and Rec then? I don't like that show either. Okay then. Wow. Sorry. Learned something. Well, there was one episode in The Office where they did like a fun run. It was mm-hmm. a 5K fun run. And you see the, the, and they're like, there's guys from The Office. They're not in shape or whatever. So these three guys, they got into a taxi. When you said that, they got into a taxi cab and they just they they just they just drove to the end of the mile. And it was like, yeah, we did it. You ever heard of the story of, uh, I think her name was, it was a long time ago. Probably before you were born. Her name was Rosie Ruiz. She ran the New York City Marathon, and she won. And then they found her. They had alleged uh, they, there was video of her that surfaced of her getting on a train. 
And then, like, she just joined the race, like, later. <laughs> That's awesome. Ever watch Seinfeld when the guy oversleeps for the marathon? Oh, yeah. my God. That's so Jean funny. Jean-Paul? Yeah. And he takes, like, the Kramer's hot tea and splashed his face and burns his eyes just oh as he's about to go God, to, like, the finish so line. That was so funny. Great episode. <laughs> so, yeah, so a rough day for the Manziel family. Johnny Manziel's out of a job again, and his wife cheated on a marathon. Not too shabby. All right, Manziel's. Way to stay relevant. <laughs> Isn't that pretty sad, man, how, like, how much he has been, like, just a disaster from the minute he got drafted to now? I know. I, I, have, I, have, truly his, I have his jersey like a fool. Johnny Manziel was – came a lot of fanfare, man. Like, I love Johnny Manziel a lot, and me and my friends, we do Secret Santa every year. So when Manziel got drafted, my buddy had me for Secret Santa. He told me. I, he had me. He was like, Clem, I'm going to get you a jersey. What do you want? I was like, ah, you know what I like. Just get me whoever. And he was like, okay, I'm going to get you a Manziel, a Manziel jersey. Do you want the Texas A&M jersey or the Browns jersey? And like an idiot, I said, yeah, give me the Browns jersey. I think I've worn it twice since he got it for me. And he bought he bought that for me four years ago. It just hangs up in my closet for decoration. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, Manziel is – I mean, listen, the Browns fans had every right to be excited for him, but, I mean, he just – he he's he came into the league too arrogant and too cocky, and it came back to bite him in the ass, and that's why he is where he is. And he can't even get a job in the CFL. <laughs> now, listen, I'm not going to belittle Johnny Manziel. If he keeps playing, if even if it means going to the AAF or the XFL or even the Arena League, do it. If you want to keep playing football, that's what you got to do. You're getting paid, right? So what does, what does it matter? But – you keep pulling crap like this, no one's going to touch you. And those leagues aren't going to touch you. And, you're gonna, and then you're going to wind up being arrested for just stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. As for the woman, his wife, Mrs. Manziel, it's only cheating if you get caught. There you go. I'll just leave it at that. And I definitely <laughs> think you were probably like, you definitely have to take in a cab. <laughs> so we'll just leave it at that. All right, Clem, let's end the show like we do every Friday night. It's the Urban Dictionary Word of the Day. Really? Why didn't that? Oh, did it play? Wait, do I have to do it? Won't, 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 won't. Did it play? No. Do I sound like I hear it? This there is it. the Urban Dictionary Word of the Week. <laughs> so bad. I know. <laughs> and this is where this is where the ratings just plummet. <laughs> <laughs> thanks to that. Thanks to that uh, drop right there. Okay, the Urban Dictionary Word of the Week is street soda. What is a street soda? I'm gonna say it's a beer you take from the bar and walk around in the in the in the streets with it. You're close. You're actually very close. Not too far off. You have the right idea, but the wrong. Uh... It is an alcoholic drink mm-hmm. that is typically made in a fast food soda cup. You didn't say that part. Ah. That it can be consumed in public spaces with little suspicion from others. In other words, it's like having your own red solo cup. Mm. See, that's smart. Yeah, I got that. I only knew the soda part because my one buddy from school, he was like, oh, we got to take a couple of road sodas. Oh, I love that term, road sodas. And I I was just, and I've never heard that term before. I was like, what the hell's a road soda? And he was like, what? You never heard of that term before? I was like, no. He was like, oh, it's just when you take beers for the, and you just start drinking them in the car. I was like, oh. They do that on the train, like, all the time. Yeah, he's sodas. like, yeah, that's when you call, he's like, you call them road sodas. And I was like, oh, I've never heard of them before. So that's the kind of, like, why I, why I knew that a little bit. I crack up on the train going home, right? Because, look, I, I work a pretty stressful job. I work in the hotel industry. I'm a service manager. Like, I have to make sure groups really have 
very good stays. Otherwise, it's it could be a problem. And I see a lot of the blue collar construction guys, right? That are on the train. You know, they got like you know their pants are just covered in dirt or like mm-hmm. plaster or whatever the hell it is they're working on, right? Yeah. These guys bring on like three friggin' tall boys for a ride from literally Penn Station to Long Beach, which is no more than an hour. And they friggin' polish off those tall boys like it's nothing. Two of them are gone by Jamaica. <laughs> right? And I'm like, dude, rough day. I'm like, oh, let's, let's call it what it is. I got no problem with you having a beer after work. When you have three before you get to friggin' Penn Station or to Long Beach, you have a drinking problem. And you need to go get help, okay, or counseling or something, right? That's like the same people. It's like the, it's like the same people who I say get up, who play golf early on the weekends. You know, you work all week, you have a stressful week, whatever. Weekends is where you want to relax, but no, you get up at six in the morning to go play golf in shitty weather. Like I was, I think I think it was uh, Francesca who maybe said it one time. He was like, those people must hate their families. To give up your one day of relax, two days of relaxation to sleep in to play golf of all to go things. play. Look, I like golf. I like playing no. it. It's fun. I have a good. I stink. I'm awful at it, but I have a good time playing it. But I'll play it at 4 p.m. in the afternoon. I'm not getting up at 6 a.m. ever to do it. And I'm like, and like those are the biggest <laughs> psychopaths in the world. I think who do this because I'm like, I think they do that because. During the day, it's probably, like, packed. So they figure if they get up early enough, they get a tea time, and they just play right off the bat, and then they get it out of the way before they go home. But see, here's the thing. It gets it, – at the golf course – I worked at the Glen Cove Golf Course. It's a public golf course. It was packed in the morning, and then it would die out towards, like, 12 o'clock, and that's where it would pick up again. So people were there literally, like, 5 in the morning all the time. It was – it's crazy. I'm just like, these people get up this early. And then after the fact, they go to the people. Oh, I don't know how it is at other golf clubs, but the people in Glen Cove, they finish their rounds, and then they'll go hang out in the bar for three hours. Yeah. So they're not getting home until like four in the afternoon, drunk as sleep, hell. They just sleep it off the rest of the night. Exactly. So I'm and like, Sunday's a hangover day. Exactly. So I'm like, these people must really hate their families yeah. <laughs> to do that on a Saturday. So there you have it, folks. The Urban Dictionary word of the day is street soda clean. You didn't do too bad this time. You're one for, I'll give you this one. So you're one for th- one for three. All right. One okay. for three. I you like didn't get that. Bay City Slice. You didn't get uh, oh, I, the El, pa- I, I the El Paso tell- card. I forgot to tell you, I did the Bay City Slice last week. Ah. I did it. There I did we it. go. Secret I revealed. I did it. I know. I have went Because the one guy I did my haircut from, he cut it way too short. My girlfriend was like, Chris, what, what's the matter with your hair? I'm like, the guy cut it too short. And he was like, why? I was like, it's not my usual guy that I go to. Like, I used to go to this guy in yeah, the past. So you got to he- go to, you got to go to your guy, man. So See, I, 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 when my bar, like I've had bad luck with barbers. Cause like, they always seem to like, I don't know if it's me, mm-hmm. but like I find a really awesome barber. And then two weeks or three weeks later, gone ghost ghost. <laughs> and then like one time, like my last barber, like this guy I have right now is actually really good. Really nice guy. The guy before him used to own the shop. Mm-hmm. And the last time I went to see him, he just tells me, he goes, oh, yeah, I'm moving. And I'm like, dude, what is it with, like, barbers leaving me high and dry, man? <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm moving to – he said he was moving to Boca Raton. And I'm like, did I do something, like, to offend was, you? Was it me? <laughs> he's like, yeah. He's like, he goes, I just got tired of, like, New York winters. I'm just so sick of New York winters. It's too cold and everything. And I'm like, all right, well, it's good seeing you again. Yeah, like, the guy I went to last time when he cut it too short, I used to go to him a long time ago at this other barber shop I used to go to. And then I left there to go to this new place, which I love. And 
the the regular guy and he just got added on like a couple months ago and I haven't really gone to him yet but like these other guys have been cutting my hair and I love the way they've been cutting my hair and I I went to him I was like oh he's done my hair in the past he won't f it up and he cut it too short and I was just like oh my god because I like keeping it long up top and they know that and he didn't do that I was just like you gotta, so, do, the, you gotta so, do the Bay City slice so, so I Bay City sliced him when I went on when I went in last Friday to get a haircut and. It came out good. Did you tell Mrs. Klim um, about Bay City Slice? I did. She think it was funny? Yeah, she thought she was like, "You're an idiot." I'm just like, well, she she has this one term from she's from Northport. That's how you know you're in love because your wife or girlfriend will tell you you're an idiot a lot of times. Well, she'll tell me an idiot right to my face, like my because you know what? Let I start nothing less. <laughs> with my, well, start starting back to my hair. I usually. For years, before I met my girlfriend, what I, my hair thing was I would cut it short, but I would keep, like, this front part. Like, I would flip that up. Mm-hmm. No one said a thing to me for years. My girl, I started dating my girlfriend. She was like, Chris, your hair looks like shit. She's like, well, you should slick it back or whatever to do it. So I started doing that, and I started liking it a lot more. Mm-hmm. So then I, when I started doing that around my friends, they were like, oh, my God. Clem, your hair looks so much better. We always hated the spike. I was like, why didn't you guys tell me this? It took Casey... Th- Two months of dating me to tell me my hair looked like shit. And you guys are to tell me this after 20 years of being my friends. That's because she's your girlfriend. She's yeah. going to be up front with you. She tells me how it is, which I love. Yeah. My friends, they don't tell me anything. So <laughs> but which, I, which I love too. <laughs> so be like, <laughs> Wait till you get married, man. It's funny because like when I ask my wife, I'm like, I'm like, listen, I need a little bit of money for, you know, because my wallet, I don't have any money. And I need, yeah. sometimes I need some cash. And she's the warden. She, you know, she's the treasury. She's pretty much, I'm nothing. Right. <laughs> So she's like, well, what do you need? And I'm like, I don't know, like $60? Like, what are you what, buying? What do you need $60 for? <laughs> and I'm like, just give me the damn money. <laughs> it's like, you know, go watch, go look up Steve Trevino. You ever hear of him? No. He's hilarious. He does, he just roasts his wife on like how it's like, like he loves his wife, obviously, but like he just makes jokes about it all the time. Go watch Steve Trevino. He has a 20 minute set on YouTube. Go watch it when you get home. It's hilarious. Yeah, I bet you'll relate to, relate to it more than I do because I'm not married. This guy, like, I'm just like, just give me the freaking money. I'm like, what does it matter? I'm like, I, I need money in my wallet just in case. You know, if I get <laughs> stranded, if I'm, you know, like if I don't, my my card doesn't work. I mean, like, hello. Oh you know? my gosh. Now that we've roasted our girlfriends and wives, and we're gonna pay for it tomorrow. That concludes the Moffat on the Mic show for a Friday night, <laughs> and we'd like to thank everybody for checking us out, whether on Klim's Facebook feed, Periscope. And everything, we apologize. We were not chalk talk. No disrespect to Canalis and uh, Foggs and Baccioni and all those guys. But uh, I guess there was a problem with the feed today. But uh, thank you guys for checking us out on the Facebook feed, on the TuneIn app, as well as Klim's Periscope feed. And uh, thank you to Mike and thank you to Jeff for calling in. And, uh, again, we'll be back Monday night, 10 p.m. to midnight, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Follow the show on Instagram at Moff on the Mic, Twitter at Moffat on the Mic, and like our Facebook page as well. Klim, thank you for holding it down like you no normally problem. do. Everybody, wherever you are, have a great weekend. And uh, we will be back Monday night, 10 p.m. to midnight, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Have a great weekend, everybody. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.